welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. Well, North South Connection, we are back with episode three of Clotheslines and Headlines with uh, Rossé and Ruko. Uh, are you guys ready to get after it or what? Let's not beat around the bush. I feel like we're going to have a fun and exciting episode. And I don't. I want to get to titillating the masses, even though I butcher that line all the time. But you get what I'm saying. Much like WrestleMania 3, this will be the greatest show we ever do. So there we go. We had a great start. The second one had its, uh, had its problems, technically. Uh, much like WrestleMania 2 did. And uh, number three, we're going to kill it. Perfect. I, I like the tagline. And the next that part of the episode, we're going to have a nice long tournament. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bore the fuck out of people with 15-minute-long draws. <laughs> Rossi, what's up, dude? Not much, man. Hopefully we get this off in one shot this time. We don't have to do it twice. Yeah, come on, man. You guys no-sold my Rossi and Ruko. Yeah, come on. What's up with that? We're, we have to get used to you and the, these new names. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to laugh on, on Mike. So. We're too professional. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wearing my tennis gear for 2020. Are you guys? I don't even know what that means. Come on, dude. Maximum male models. All right. Anyways, the news. Vince is still in the news. Um, you know, just not to beat around the bush or whatever, but it's it's kind of the same with more NDAs coming out since our last recording. Somewhere being from the 10 to 15 million paid in hush money, and I'm sure there's many more, and I'm sure this is just the start. But a 2005 talent was demoted and later released, supposedly, after a relationship with Vince or a or a like rejection to Vince. So that's interesting. You know, tons. Plenty of names to speculate about there. I don't know if we want to do that, but you, I'm sure it's around if you want to get into that. But the only thing that I saw funky out of that was the settlement was in 2018, and you know, the, and the issue was you know 12, 13 years earlier. So that's a little, a little weird. Not a little weird, but a little. Uh, it's more like uh, oh, I think that kind of hurts the case in a way. Like it's like it comes across as extortion in a way. But obviously Vince is not an innocent man, nor do I think he is but it's just a little i don't know a little weird what do you guys you know what do you think rossi um so i mean it doesn't really surprise me (laughs) i mean i feel like there's still going to be many more stories of this that come out like i feel like we're just scratching the surface um there's still investigations going um there's a lot of law firms it's just becoming very public um through like the way that the people that work for um the new york post that's who it is right wall street Street journal that's what it was wall street journal the way that they're like doing interviews almost like a badge of honor is like kind of strange i think Um, that's the case for them you know it probably will and and i've noticed that it's not getting the mainstream attention that you think it would um if this was um like anybody that ran a major sports franchise or major sports um company like the NFL, like if this was Goodell, he'd be out of a job already. Um, if this was Adam Silver, he'd be out of a job already. But it's like, I feel like people are just like, oh, it's wrestling, no big deal. Like, I feel like there's part of it that 
there's probably fans out there that aren't like casual wrestling fans that probably think this is like part of the storyline. Um, because it's just, it seems like, the, you know, it gets a lot of attention when it first pops and maybe he, you know, was good about not being on TV this time, but I feel like nobody's talking about it anymore. It's just wrestling podcasts that are, but there's really no mainstream media coverage with it. And, and I find that interesting because like I said, I feel like any other major sports, um, like, whether it's the NFL, NBA, league at all, um, I feel like that would be all over the news and the person would be out of their job within 24 hours. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, even in entertainment, it does not take much to get taken off projects. I mean, look at all these different projects with, you know, the Avengers, with uh, Joss Whedon and Louis C.K. and all these things. It's it's very quick. These are also not CEOs of companies who kind of are in charge of their own shit, right? I don't really know. So uh, I don't have much to say other than, uh, like you said, it's uh, <laughs> you guys said it best. He's uh, he's gonna he's a creep, and we kind of always knew it, and now we're just gonna get a lot more evidence than we always than we have had before. Even though there's a lot of visual evidence that he's a creep, but that's all fictionalized, right? So uh, yeah, he's being given the fact that he's still doing stuff, and this is what six weeks later, four weeks later, is uh, pretty wild. As Michael Jordan once said, "Shoot or shoot." So anyway. <laughs> Uh, also, you know, a little note, Denise Alcedo saying that Netflix are, is on the eventually about to pull the documentary. So we went through that whole Pat McAfee WrestleMania 38 storyline and conclusion for kind of nothing since that was for his documentary. And, you know, I was, you know, is the documentary going to be a fluff piece? Sure. But I'm sure it would have been super fun as a wrestling fan to kind of go through and just kind of knowing the history and then just seeing the fresh coat of paint that they would try to slap on it to cover up the whatever Vince McMahon perceives himself to be. You know, I am a Vince fan, like a Mr. McMahon character. And to an extent, you know, I'm sure some of these stories are a little overblown, but then to the to the fact it could just be the, you know, the start of something. But there's somewhere in the middle is usually false the truth. But with Vince, I'd be like somewhere in the 75 percent usually. <laughs> All's the truth, it, you know, but yeah. uh, it's interesting, too, because he is a character on Young Rock. And yeah. that is it got renewed for season three. And he's kind of a big part. And he's definitely portrayed as a hero of The Rock in it. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much his role might be diminished in that show after for season three. I don't know how long it, how long it, how long it is in shooting and stuff like that. But it would be interesting. Yeah. And then. You know, just real quick, Rocco, before we get off the Vince stuff, do you think, how do you think this ends? I mean, I kind of just, I just want him to go away. I'm done. It's enough. Like, it's like, it's just one more thing with Vince where it's like, now it's an actual thing where it's like, not only, he's not just ruining the mid card and treating titles we care about and people we care about like shit. Now we're going to find out that this dude who made so much important shit and made my life better and brought me friends like you guys and all this shit is yeah. a fucking real fucking piece of trash. And it's when you get the evidence to stuff like that, it just sucks. And I don't, it's nothing good's going to happen. This is all bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's all bad. I, I just want it to be over with. And, uh, and I can put my head in the sand to pretend like it didn't happen. And uh, I'm just glad that uh, it, no one is affected that I know personally, but it's, it's gross and it sucks. So yeah, let's be done with it. Yeah. All right, then we got Sasha Banks. Nothing really new outside of, you know, Peacock pulling her name. 
and then there's no hard evidence that she is legit gone besides like little tea leaves, little unconfirmed stories. And then I believe Rocco is about to mention that she has an appearance officially signed. So maybe, Correct. you know, maybe I do have the date. Uh, I'm sorry. It's August 5th, August 5th through 7th. She's going to be at a C2E2 uh, Chicago comic and entertainment expo. Uh, she's it's announced and uh, it's interesting. Her, so it's uh, Mercedes Bernardo, and it's announced as Sasha Banks in quotes, and then also uh, the Mandalorian as her credits as who she is. Doesn't even say like WWE wrestler or anything like that. And uh, yeah, so they have the times for uh, pictures and autographs all set. So it's official, and uh, that is a, a month away, less than a month away that she's going to be doing that. They also did edit her out of footage. I don't know if you saw that. Where was that? They did a page. Thing for Paige's retirement. They are treating Paige like a, a real person and acknowledging her. And they did a thing with like Paige's best moments. And when Paige came out, I believe she's in the match with Mickey James. And uh, you see in the original footage, Sasha's on the ground, Mickey, uh, Mickey's standing there, and they just do a super zoom on Mickey. And it just edits Sasha's image completely out of uh, the Paige comeback. So uh, she is being visually removed as well from their history. I got to say, she's going to be probably the toughest person to eliminate, if that's what they want to do, because she was pretty much the first woman in, like, all of their big matches. Hell in a Cell. Um, Obviously, she played a big role in the first Rumble. Um, What else are we thinking here? Um, I mean, that Brooklyn match with Bayley. There's so many, like, iconic moments that she had in WWE they're not really going to be able to erase her. Like they can do things like that and like try to get cute with it. But when push comes to shove, she's such a part of their history that they're going to have to still show her at times, you know, Tamina's hall of fame speech. They'll have to edit her out of the wedding. So that's another big, big (laughs) blow. It could be, you know, the reports are also back and forth. Oh, they're off the returning, the internal roster. They're off. They're they're on the internal roster, but there's, you know, there's no real smoke. So at the end of the day, who knows? And then Naomi had somewhat cryptic Instagram message story thing about something, uh, saying something like. uh, She posted a video and it said anything that costs you your piece is too expensive, Um, quote unknown. Um, And that's pretty much it. That's the first thing that she really posted since June 30th. Um, and June 30th, I mean, other than that, it's just been like pics of like her dad on Father's Day and things of that nature. Um, other than that, I mean, nothing since the walkout. So I feel like she's starting to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, what happened. So realization of boredness, like missing the fans, missing the road, missing her husband, you know, missing it. So, you know, that seems like it was a reflection kind of thing. So, I don't know. It sucks. I could see her being back and maybe Sasha not, but I could see them both being back. You know, you you got to think Sasha comes back eventually, even if it's in a few years or whatever. But I could see Naomi, you know, returning around the corner or whatever. So, what did you guys think of Money in the Bank? As we, you know, we kind of use this news segment to close out that pay-per-view. Rossi, men's ladder match. What did you think of the finish with Theory? And the curveball we didn't even see coming. Yeah, I mean... I blame myself for not seeing that coming. Like, I feel like they, they, we should have seen that they were going to do some sort of splash finish for that. They tend to with money in the banks lately. Um, 
with, you know, go back to 2019 with Brock. 2020, obviously, was Otis. Last year was kind of, you know, they kind of had a plan with Big E and they went with it. But they like to do that, you know, splash finish, especially when it's the headline of the show. Um, and, I mean, Theory's obviously the guy that they have their um, big plans with. I mean, whether that's, you know, now, six months from now, a year from now, who knows. Um, I still think it was going to be Cody. Um, so without Cody in the picture, they probably just didn't think that there was anybody else that they wanted to give the briefcase to and decided, hey, screw it. Let's just give it to Theory and we'll figure out what to do from there. Um, his involvement with Reigns and Brock the last week have been has been interesting. I don't see him cashing in at um, the pay-per-view at SummerSlam, but who knows? Like, obviously, they've been teasing it so much that it almost feels like it can't happen there. Um, because when do they, they try to keep the money in the bank cash ins like somewhat secretive, unless it's on raw and they, they're trying to pop a big rating like they did with big E last year. Um, but as far as the premium live event cash ins, um, they never go that hard towards something and then have it actually happen. So I don't expect it to actually happen at SummerSlam, but it's a good way to get theory, you know, in the limelight with the reins, with a Heyman, with a Brock and just kind of see how he performs with it. And, you know, on Raw, I don't think he did too bad. On SmackDown, it was kind of cheesy how they did it. But, you know, I mean, you're he's trying to get in Reigns' head. Um, so I think what they've done with him in the last week has been pretty good. I'm not particularly happy that he won it because I don't think that he's really ready for that. But, you know, it's a sink or swim moment for him. So let's see where it goes. Yeah, he, it's just that it's not bad for him to get, you know, have his name mentioned with those guys, have him show up on TV with those guys. You know, he already has some block Brock Lesnar history at, you know, Elimination Chamber in that MSG show. So there's that. And, you know, with Paul Heyman coming out on the SmackDown before Money in the Bank and having Pierce change something, you know what I mean? So Paul Heyman, they did a uh, what did they do? A favor. Uh, Pierce did a favor for Heyman. Because the board of direct or whoever whoever they say is in charge of Pierce um, was to- was told to do something and they were told to do some or they were asked to do something by Heyman. So you know and then yada 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 money in the bank. Pierce is the one that comes out and it's theory. So long story short, does Heyman have anything to do with theory? So that could be some decent little pull and play, decent little foreshadowing and decent little whatever because even if you roll back to 2019 the evolve 131 show where they went against aew when aew had like firefest or whatever on bleacher report so they wwe ran a evolve show just to kind of you know whatever see how it went or whatever and then Heyman showed up there and proclaimed theory the you know the future of pro wrestling or the future sports entertainment yada 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 whatever so there are some groundwork groundworks there and you know i'm sure they want to get theory away from vince as vince you know fades away like we just talked about so there's a little precursor stuff there if you know you pay attention to the bottom line and you and you kind of put the tea leaves together i don't know rocco do you think uh, any of that has to do with anything or what did you did you think theory was the right guy i think it was i think it's cool when you said that i actually did not know that um I would love to see Paul Heyman interact with a charge of his in a different way. And that would be a different thing. You know, he's kind of been Brock's bitch and Roman's bitch for so long. Kind of forget that he could be a different character. And when he's in charge, like Paul E, you know, Paul E dangerously style, 
it could be really cool. And I like that. Not that he'd be in charge, but just be a different relationship. So saying that, I really like that idea of him with not a guy who's bullying him around. So really neat idea. I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like him. Um, we'll talk about this later. I feel like there may be a, a taller, more Australian guy in NXT who would be a better candidate to be him. Um, but, yeah, it would be cool. And uh, I don't know if it's such a bummer when they announce an eighth guy and everyone wants it to be a super duper surprise. And it's just like the guy who lost earlier in the night, always a little bit of a downgrade. And then he wins it, too. Or it's like one of those weird things that they do that just kind of always just the way they did that battle royal a few weeks ago with Corbin winning. And then like that whole thing, too, it's just it's yeah. one of these weird things that they do that just kind of fuck your mind up and the momentum of how you want the story to go. So. Uh, yeah, that's my opinion, but I do I like we said. I got me my the gears spinning about Paul Lee with a, a new guy, right? Yeah, he ain't, Paul ain't going anywhere, man. He is, you know, embedded in the WWE now. He ain't go, you know, even if I'm sure he has something to do with creative. And when they kept him after taking him away from, you know, quote unquote head of creative, he is very valuable to them. I could see him being a creative leader. If anything were to happen to Vince, I'm sure that, you know, he's such a weasel, you know, in a, in a Paul Heyman way that I could see him definitely getting like in Nick Khan's head and like try to just yup yup hip to him. And then fucking even Keller says him and Stephanie have, has a, have a great relationship now. And I could just see him being valued, especially being valued to WWE, especially with, uh, you know, AEW there. I can see, you know, if TK is ever going to help get anyone in get anyone to help him i could see him being wowed if paul Heyman ever came on board and that would you know you know that something like that would elevate aew creative i think in my opinion but um when you say he's involved in creative i really think like if you look at roman reigns thing and i was kind of like thinking about my match uh half year uh, guys and i'm like roman's barely wrestled and i feel like there's no way like this is like raven-esque title reign in ecw like paulie having a guy who's just out there and the story just keeps going and it's really not stagnate. It doesn't stagnate much for a guy who doesn't wrestle a lot. And I just, yeah, like you're saying, I feel like he is the main guy who's doing, who's making Roman Reigns finally. The, yeah. He was, and I mean, big, yeah. that can be the vehicle too. If you ever want to turn Reigns baby um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you do the turn, which, which I kind of feel like, has to happen at some point. Is it too soon? Probably, but obviously having the Usos turn in them is almost too easy. So whenever they decide to pull that trigger, if it's Heyman that turns and it's kind of like, Hey, fuck you. You turned on me last year. Um, then that would be kind of a cool way to do it. Yep. For sure. There's a lot of equity in Heyman and he ain't going anywhere. Now the other match we have, we'll get into the undercard when we bring in Scott in a few minutes, but um, the other match we had here, was the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, Liv Morgan won. Uh, I don't know. I think we had her as like a middle tier, um, but we definitely had a direction needed to be changed for Ronda. And I was quite shocked when Liv's music hit and came out and cashed in Money in the Bank. You know, before we get into Rocco's ramblings, Rocco's, do you have anything to, to say about that match before we get into your ramblings about just the finish? I, I was for it, of course. I'm a, I'm a fan of Liv. I liked how it worked. You're talking about the match with Ronda more so? Or no, I, just uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match okay. and, then, and then the cash. And we, we'll get in more deeper into that in a little bit. But, you know, just overall, do you think Liv was the right, as being a Jersey guy yourself and she's a Jersey girl, was Liv the right choice? 
absolutely why not i mean i think no i said why not like that like like why not no i think she's a great choice i think people have wanted i think people have kind of been behind her i think she's great for an audience that they don't always cater to which is super young girls and she seems to cater that very well and she caters to new jersey i know we we, we got a lot of people for a small little area so yeah i loved it i was uh i i got I got uh, pretty excited when it happened, man. And uh, I think every single person I talked to, and I was in New England talking to some wrestling fans this past weekend, and everyone seemed to be like, that was really fucking cool. I think that's just the way people looked at it. It's like, that seems like a really good person who was rewarded for being a really good person. This is a chick who's both of her best friends and her boyfriend were fired during a pandemic within like the past two years. She was given a stop start pushes forever. She was turned into a lesbian in a weird relationship with uh, Lashley and some weird thing. She did it all. She's been one of those people, like we talk about Carmella, that's given a lot of shit and is always good at what she does. And uh, people have been clamoring for it. And it was an emotional moment, I think, and a rare, uh, you know, a, a very emotional cash in for her. And if you want to give her shit for uh, being emotional and crying once she got the title, then I mean, there's lots of dudes and lots of other people who get emotional when they uh, achieve something they've wanted since they were kids. So, And good to see a lifelong wrestling fan become a champion, right? Yeah, it was cool. Um, the You know, the Rondo cash-in was cool. We'll get into a little bit with Scott when he gets on here. But overall, I don't know. The Money in the Bank ladder match was different. It was It just felt a beat off. Rossi. Yeah, it was sloppy. I mean, I feel like they kind of got their shit together towards the end of it, but, I mean, Shotzi, woof. Like, I feel bad for all the shit she got after it, because, I mean, she was she was rough, but she didn't really deserve to get flamed online for it. I mean, obviously, I got a soft spot for for Shotzi anyways, but um, she was rough, and, and she didn't really get the chance to pull off the big spots that, you know, we thought was going to happen. Um, but it wasn't just her. I mean, you, it takes two to tango. Um, there was a a lot of shitty wrestling, and I mean, it it kind of comes down to how they probably overly choreographed this thing, practiced it a hundred times, and you know you can only take bumps like they took, you know, legit once. So you practice it a couple times, something's a little bit off, and then it just becomes even more off in the big match. Um, I, I don't like how she got a ton of shit, but I mean she was pretty bad in the match. Um, wasn't just her though. Um, the the at the end of it was cool. Um, they, you know, Becky being the one that kind of got screwed at the very end by Liv pushing her off. Um, that was the right way to do that. And they're still building off of that Becky, you know, Becky, nobody's got my back. Everybody's trying to screw me over storyline, which is cool. It works for her. She's able to execute on that. Um, I mean, Liv, you gotta be happy for Liv. I mean, I was very surprised with how, I mean, I knew that she was liked, but this was like Big E level liked with the amount of people that were tweeting about it. And that was when it really became cool to me because you see all this stuff about how, you know, everybody's so proud of her and like, that means that they like her. And that means it's something that they, that should have happened. So I'm cool with that. I'm happy that it happened. Um, And who had Liv Morgan being more successful than Ruby Riot at this point of their careers? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't surprise you now, but when, when she went over to AEW and Liv was kind of toiling in the middle, you know, everybody thought Ruby had this big future ahead of her, and you know, we, maybe WWE was right. Yeah. So here's my thoughts on the matches, real quick. Um, 
a lot of small girls. So that's like a not a lot of bases if you think about it, right? So you got Alexa super small. Liv is super small. Shotzi's like a feather. And then you got Oscar who broke her wrist last year. Lacey and friggin' Becky are moms. And I'm sure they're telling Becky's not to go out there and kill herself because she has such a bright future the last she's going to be needed leading into WrestleMania next year. So it's not like we're going to have her go out there and risk her. And then you have Raquel, who's a little green. I'm sure she was super nervous and she's like the only chick in there to catch, you know, to really catch these girls, stabilize the ladders and just kind of make sure this thing goes. And she's green and she's probably nervous. So just kind of a, in in hindsight, kind of a recipe for a little disaster. Now, you can't deny the excitement in that match. The crowd was on their feet regardless of the botches. And the, it's still a super hard match to complete. And in just how many times that match is a home run is kudos to all those people, men and women from the past. So they were kind of due for a clunker. But overall, like Rossi said, it was a little unfortunate. And that, that leads us to Rocco's ramblings of the week. Rocco, what do you got for us? Does it have to do with the women's ladder of the match? Hello. Uh, it sure does. It sure does. Um, and uh, it might seem like, I mean, you guys have some of the problem. You guys said some stuff that is some of the issues I have with the reaction to this match. So, and the fallout and the negative stuff about Shotzi. And a lot of people were throwing heat at her. So I rewatched the match and I really, speaking real quick, uh, the average height of this match was five foot five of the people in this match, and playing with a thirteen foot ladder or a six to t- or ten foot ladder, like as a six foot man who's done construction, it's not fucking always easy, man. Those things get away from you. But anyway, uh, no, abs- like ab- hold on real quick. Absolutely, Rocco. And these girls are what a hundred and fifteen pounds, if that. I mean, there are people who are five foot one with a thirteen foot ladder. That is seven feet. The fulcrum and the lever principle of it all is completely off. They are not easy to play with. Um, yeah. So let me just get into how the match that went. And I went through this match and every and I saw the words bocce and I saw the comments and it was getting me a little aggravated. So especially the stuff towards Shotzi. So there's really only one thing I'm watching that I think like the, her running up the ladder to do like a running knee. So she ran up and she fell through the ladder and she did not connect on this running knee. But the crowd fucking was so with her after that point. And it was so quick and they groaned and they didn't groan because she botched it. They groaned because it looked like it fucking hurt like hell. And what she did do is not turn around and do it again. She just fucking grabbed Raquel's head and bashed it into the fucking ladder like a kind of a DDT and got was perfectly in position for Liv to knock her right the fuck out. I don't know how that's considered a botch. Yeah, she didn't nail it perfectly, but it looked like it fucking hurt. It looked super realistic. And, it, you know, whatever. She was, in the, she was in the right spot. And she didn't redo it. How many times have you seen a match where someone redoes it? And it looks so stupid. Um because we're another big thing was supposed to happen. <laughs> what you say? Because we're mocks and we know it was supposed to happen. Well, that's yeah, and that's the problem, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. There's another big moment. And first off, these are like we just said, women, these uh, these wrestlers with these ladders that they're not used to. There's a big moment where Shotzi has um, Alexa on her back and looks like an electric chair. And she goes to bash her into the ladder. And the ladder falls. The, the ladder was already fucked up. The brackets were bent. So maybe people who've are too fucking have never are too fucking lazy and are rather just complain and uh, judge people. I've never used a ladder, but you got to put the brackets down. The ladder was fucked up. It was not her fault that the ladder collapsed, right? It just was just how it happened. And to say the word botch, like 
if someone hits a move and the ladder falls over when it's not supposed to, that's not a fucking botch. It's just a ladder falling over. And everyone's like, oh, it's so sloppy. Well, there really weren't that many moments. The Raquel thing where she couldn't pick up both chicks on the ladder. Yeah, well, she had the hubris. She was so fucking convinced that she could do this thing. And she failed at it. But she tried to do it. That's enough. You don't have to pick these chicks up. That's enough. Two people getting pushed off the ladder when they don't hot shot themselves perfectly on the top rope. That's not a botch either. It's just it's just how the landing works. So I, the word botch is crazy. And people are talking about botches where Liv did the craziest fucking sunset powerbomb I've ever seen. Fucking Ninja Mac in GCW is the only guy I've ever seen do something, anything remotely like that. But I thought all that, like that's what a ladder match should be to me is all these. That's what makes it real. Um, uh, Becky didn't hit a leg drop on Asuka, but instead she hit a crazy senton that looked like it destroyed the entire insides of Asuka's body. And Asuka, being the pro, sold it perfectly. So, and I heard stuff about the finish too, where there was, oh, like she she leg slapped her knee and didn't connect. Like I don't know, the camera was behind them. It looked fine to me. No one's come, no one's congratulating her that she did a ricochet esque move that bounced her back to the thing. So I like a nice sloppy ladder match. Um. And if you're going to be yelling at people for leg slappings, then every other person besides Brock Lesnar needs to be fucking fired. So, um, do you, sorry, I just got, you got me thinking about the match itself. So do we want a match to be perfect? Like, I don't care. I like, I'm not watching this for gymnastics or synchronized sw- swimming. Like, and to say something's a botch, like Seth Rollins is never connected on a sling blade ever. Is that a botch? I'm not saying shit on him, but is a botch something that exposes the business? Because I, I just think that at this point, like the Undertaker doing his dick to the face 69 pile driver thing that he hasn't hit in 20 years. Like that's a fucking disaster. But these things that they did in this entire this, this ladder match are not to that level. You know, Ray and Eddie had a crazy ladder match bump that made that match better. It's almost like Cody's arm that we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, so I don't want choreography. I like that these women, whatever kind of happened in this match, they just kept going. It's like the like. Like uh, like the shark and jaws didn't work, so they had to work around it, and they made a classic, you know. So I want you guys to think, because I'm not a star rating guy, but like CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, we all love that match, right? But people say it's sloppy or it has botches, but like they are humans, right? Mat- moves don't always connect. Like if a UFC fighter misses a match or something, it's not a botch. So I just think it's boring to say it's a botch. And there's a weird thing that if it wasn't a women's ladder match, I don't think dudes would have been so vitriolic with it. I could be wrong. Um, and there's so much fun shit to talk about in wrestling. It always seems the desire to dwell on the negative is so strong. And I went down a comment rabbit hole on YouTube and there's a reason Shotzi leaving like uh, Twitter makes sense from some of this shit that I saw. So I don't know. As a society, do we really need to be dwelling on this stuff to try to make people feel shitty for having a, a bad match? So I think we just need a better word for what that is or just people need to think more about when they say something is sloppy or it's botchy. So. I, I like like a ricochet. He does everything so perfectly, right? We know he's going to hit every move every time perfectly. But Sabu, we never know. So when Sabu hits a move, you never know. Is it going to be the most beautiful thing in the world or the biggest fucking disaster in the world, right? If everything's perfect, then nothing's perfect. If you know everyone's going to do everything perfectly, what's the point of, of watching it? Like Shotzi and all these crazy little weird botchy moments that people would say with the ladders, it's like Bruce Willis and Die Hard crawling through the broken glass. Like you could punch someone, you could get blown up, you could get shot. But him pulling glass out of the bottom of his foot, that's what you remember because it's visceral. And it's those moments that I like. So I want to ask you guys, like I'm not a star rating dude. I don't think a botch should take your, your – if it's still an emotional match, I don't think it should take away from your enjoyment. So like an angle Brock finish, A-Ready, A-Ready like I mentioned, A-Ready a, like I mentioned before. Like 
does it really affect you when you see something like that? And, you know, like, I know Hogan Andre is a perfect match, but like, is Hogan botched because he didn't take a flat back bump when he was on the concrete? You know, like Meltzer, I know, gave it negative four stars, but he's an idiot. So do you think this calling shit out for that is antiquated and do we need a new word? Or what do you think, guys? Sorry for being rambling, but I think that's what I'm here for. That's the point. But anyways, um, so you say star ratings, right? So I did rewatch the match and I didn't think it was as bad as it was. So I ranked it and it's I went two and three quarters. You know, that's, that's just a, that's just a hair under bad. Right. So I would go like four for excitement, but then everything else I, I couldn't go good on besides like. Don't you what? applaud the idea of doing like I, I would rather see a match where people are pushing their limits than just executing everything perfectly, because at least it looks like a fight. At least it looks like someone having like a ladder match itself is what's the term that everyone likes to use Um, exposing the business. Like, a bunny in the bank ladder's back is supposed to the business because it makes eight dudes look fucking stupid because they don't know how to climb a ladder or how to, like, it makes, it, the whole concept is is rife for saying yeah, so it exposes the business. So when you're in that, sh- when you're, it, you, all right, so you, you, you take away from reality, you know, you put yourself in your world, you step away from reality to begin with. So stepping inside that ladder match all right, well, how do you look at work rate, right? So how do you look at work rate? It's like, wow, that was a super impressive move, but it was like executed, what, 60% of the time or whatever. So you're like, all right, well, that was super awesome. And that helped the excitement level. And it's like, all right, well, there's really no psychology in these ladder matches. So you kind of ixnay those where, you know, with the psychology is super hard when it's a one-on-one match, but when it's a six-woman match or a seven-woman match or whatever, you know, you can you get a huge ladder bump, and that's designed for you to take a, you know, to take a dirt nap for a while, that which designs for other people to have their spots and other people add to their excitement, and that's just how the match is laid out and how the structure goes. So when you go out there, and, and like you, and when you go out there and you kind of miss your spots, that takes away from the structure and the flow of the match. And then they, yeah, they do a good job of making up for it. But the, you say that and it never took away from the excitement because the, the so many people are invested into the, into the stories of these girls and their journey going through the ladders or whatever. But, you know, people watch this match and they don't watch it alone, really. If they do it, if they're watching it, they're in a chat or, they're watching it on a live Twitch stream or they're watching it on Twitter and you're in other people's comments. So it's very inclusive. So when you say, Ooh, that's a hiccup, you know what I mean? And you're like, Oh, that's a little hiccup. Okay, whatever. But then, you know, it, it gets, it, you know, highlighted even more when it's, they're on top of each other. And then there's two, the small ones get, you know, overblown and then they're big ones because, you know, we're within a group, whatever group it is, and it's overblown and it's over exaggerated. So I went back and watched it and I'm like, oh, this is going to be rough. And at the end of the day, it wasn't that rough, but just, it wasn't that good. I think I just think it's a weird negativity to just be calling out everything. It's like you ever go to a restaurant and someone drops like a fucking tray of dishes and everyone turns and looks. It's like, do we need to do that as a society? Just. Do we need to constantly be like, oh, that one fucked up. Oh, a minor thing happened that like, listen, motherfucker, I do a lot of dumb shit all day long. I don't need someone behind me to fucking call me out every five seconds. Like it just it seems like a negative thing. But I don't want to get we could discuss that in a different time. But like so how do you view sloppy versus a straight up botch? And how does that affect your is there a difference between enjoying a match and a star rating for a match for you, too? 
No, because like we'll get into later when we talk about you know our half year awards, you know our enjoyment slash star ratings. I'll get into that later. But when you're put, you know, we always suspend your reality, right? When you watch wrestling in a way, so you suspend your reality in a different way when you go watch a ladder match. Like go look at the Royal Rumble. Those things are like not that well worked. Like they're kind of the same thing, but it's you put yourself in that Royal Rumble suspension of reality. So by putting yourself in a money in the bank or a ladder match or whatever, you're, you may be looking or overblown or whatever. You're putting yourself in that like reality of a ladder match. So overall the ceiling should have been a lot higher, but due to whatever and star ratings are stupid. They're just shorthands on the match in a way, really. I just, I just can't go four stars because it was exciting. You know what I mean? That's just how I look at it. It's subjective. It's a subjective well, shorthand thing. The thing too, and like I didn't really think of this until we started talking about it, but I mean, I've been to Money in the Bank twice. I've been to the Rumble twice. They're better matches live, and you because you don't live, you could be you know in the hundred section, you could be in the three hundred section, who knows? But you're not going to see the um, the slip ups and the botches, whatever you want to call them, live. Or if you do, you don't care as much, right? So. I can see, you know, to the crowd there live, it was a four-star match. You know what I mean? To us at home, yeah, maybe three was was generous. You know, you said 2.75. I think I had it at about three, um, which to me is not bad. I mean, I, I would say. Three's good. Um, yeah, most of the women's matches, most of the women's money in the bank matches are probably in that three, three and a half range. Um, it, it's just in, like you were saying, Rocco, it's, it's an unnatural match for them. They have so much. I mean, these are small girls. I mean. Some of them seem bigger than life in TV. Like Raquel Gonzalez looks like a monster next to these girls. But if you saw Raquel Gonzalez at a bar, she probably doesn't look like a monster. But when she's standing next to a girl like Alexa Bliss who's 5'1", yeah, she's going to come off like like a beast. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with a lot of what you're saying, Rocco, and it was definitely nice to kind of hear that perspective on it. Um, I definitely just think the crowd was more into this match because they were there live. You know, first match of the night, is going to be exciting regardless. And this money in the bank, like you're kind of there for the car crash side of it. Um, even the men's match, there's things that are fucked up in every single one. Um, any ladder match, I mean, just the nature of it, there's going to be spots that are fucked up. There's going to be spots that don't go as intended. Look, ask Joey Mercury about that. I mean, he almost lost his face on a ladder match. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate that take. And, you know, it's definitely a fun conversation. Yeah, it's, I think like in this conversation, there's topics for hours coming from everything from star ratings to just yeah I, I thanks thanks for sharing that guys i really appreciate that it's been something i've been thinking about for a couple of weeks and it's uh it's cool to hear your perspectives too yeah no one's wrong rocco i went back like i said i went back i'm not coming at it from you guys are wrong i just like to hear other people's yeah. opinions and you guys are not the trolls and we could talk about the shotsy bullshit and let's we all know that i think we all know that we are not these garbage human beings who need to fucking be thrown into the fucking space because they're fucking nothing else going on in their lives than to shit on some person who's doing what they would murder their family to be able to do. So we're not going to talk about that because I think we all understand that we are normal people, not garbage people. So, and uh, yeah, I just like to hear your perspectives on stuff. And uh, as someone, I don't view matches the way you do and you, all three of us have their own way to get into stuff. And I think it's like a shared love and it's cool. Like not everyone listens to music the same way. Not everyone listens, watches movies the same way. Right. So it's uh, a, yeah. it's, cool to hear your guys perspective on stuff you can never take away from the excitement of the crowd and excitement of overall joy for what for live morgan winning and that's a testament to that match so was it the right pick yay nay to some people 
but I don't think it was the worst decision. And I, you know, it was fine. We'll get into it with Scott. But speaking of Scott, Scott Schlittenfield, you here or what, buddy? I am here. Um, I've been listening to you guys uh, point about like the botches and everything. And j- just for my two cents, I don't really have a problem with, with botches unless it's like noticeable at the very end. And then the wrestlers um, just go back to and try to do the same spot twice instead of like recalibrating and, you know, trying to figure something else out. I think that exposes it more, but I really don't have a problem with botches. Like, like Rocco was saying it, um, it leads to more spontaneity within the matches instead of everything looking so crisp and like, you know, it's not like a DDP match where it's like step 89, you know, B where like, Oh, I'm going to throw Rocco into the corner and then 89 C he's going to hit me with his elbow. But yeah. that's just my two cents. That is my move, by that is my go-to move, by the way. Um, but yeah, you're you're right because like for a lot of people in that match, a lot of them have not even had like 500 matches. Like look at their look at some of these people. Like the most experienced person is probably Becky and Oscar, who probably still are only like you know, and they didn't do that thing. And you've seen guys with way more experience do that, where they're just like, oh, trying to repeat the spot again and stuff like that. So I, it's a testament to them and for a, a bunch of people who are probably super job scared right now, where they're like, fuck, I didn't get that move in. I should maybe do it again. Like, I don't know. I was impressed. With that. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, uh, Good shit. All right, Scott, what do we got going on in WWE TV? We got SummerSlam approaching. How about you kind of give us a halfway point from SummerSlam and Money in the Bank? In a way, you know, we have a kind of clear view of what SummerSlam's going. So kind of lead us down a rabbit hole of what we could anticipate for SummerSlam, Scott. Yeah, SummerSlam is in a couple of weeks. Um, actually, in the town I live in, Nashville. Looking looking forward to that. Um, I'll be be heading out there. Um, best town. <laughs> But um, the matches are starting, you know, after coming out of Money in the Bank, I, I honestly thought that Riddle was going to win Money in the Bank. We were swerved with Theory. And, you know, there was a couple other matches that I thought were written in stone. And one of them was uh, John Cena versus Austin Theory. And now it appears that Cena is not even appearing on the card, which, you know, if you would have told me a month ago after Theory had been taking shots at Cena, Cena was doing his cryptic Instagram post about Theory. And he even said in an interview that he wants to wrestle Theory. I was like... You know, oh, that's awesome. We're gonna be, able, I'm gonna be able to see Cena wrestle, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Um, but the card is looking pretty good. I know WWE. Um, we'll get to this later, but they are lacking in star power, in my opinion, right now. Big time. And they, um, I think they're putting their best foot forward with what they have, with with that. And the first match is, um, you know, they're they're saying this is the last time ever, but like, you know, I'm getting callbacks to Cena versus Rock once in a lifetime, and then they did it twice in a lifetime. But they're saying that this is uh, Brock versus Roman uh, for the last time in a last man standing match. I'm looking forward to that match. Um, you know, the match at Mania just seemed so abrupt. So, like, it's always great to see Roman and Brock uh, live in um, public. Rossi, what, what are you thinking with that match? So I'm excited about it, too. And, and kind of what you're saying, um, I, I'm most excited about it because they always have fun matches. Um, they've never really gotten the chance to have that, like, blow-away match. But they, the one that they probably were planning to at Mania got screwed up by the fact that, you know, there was injury scares, this, that, the other thing. So 
Last Man Standing with these two, WWE hits on Last Man Standings like probably at like 95% of the time. So I'm super excited with where they're going with it. And the fact that they've been able to integrate the money in the bank cash in as part of the build has really worked for them. Like originally I was a little bit pissed off that they announced the match before money in the bank, because then it kind of took the steam off money in the bank to just look forward to SummerSlam. But now when you integrate that match into it and you turn the briefcase into like almost a prop to this match, whether it happens or not, it gives you another reason to be like hyped for the match. Like the thought of a, of a last man standing match with a cash in, that's never really been a thought that we've had in the past. So it's unique. Um, and I mean, Brock and Reigns, there's never going to be a situation where I'm not going to like seeing Brock. Um, the guy's the best. His uh, anytime he's on TV, it seems like must see. I mean, him, he twirled Otis on raw. Like he threw him like he was Alexa bliss. Like that's how, what he made him look like. Um, he just tossed him like he was a little boy and stuff like that is always going to excite me with the cowboy hat. Then he's sweating like a pig. He throws the cowboy hat on and he leaves. Um, and now you'll see how Reigns will respond to that on SmackDown or if, if Brock will come face to face with them in SmackDown. And we've only really got what two, five TVs left before SummerSlam. So um, I'm excited to see where they go. I, they, they still have to add kind of layers to it and, you know, whether Roman gets beat down on the way there or Brock does, it's got to happen at some point. Um, but these two, you know, it kind of it's kind of starting to feel like Orton and Cena um, when it just happens too much. But when you're the two top guys in the company, it's going to happen a lot. Um, and, you know, especially when you have a botched finish and so many injuries like this wasn't their plan at Mania to go back to it at SummerSlam. But Cody gets hurt. Orton gets hurt. Like it kind of takes away those big name guys and. Yeah, is that a fault of the company for not getting other people ready? Sure, but they're getting other people ready. They're just not 100% ready for this match now. And and I'm excited to see where they continue to build up theory and this build to it. Um, how Lashley and his his thing, maybe that turns into a way when it becomes like briefcase versus the, the title. Let's see if that happens. Um, Riddle continuously getting build up with the Seth feud. Um, they're in a pretty good spot right now, um, with, considering the fact that they lost Cody and Orton, who they had put so much time into in the first five, six months of the year. So I'm excited to see this match. Last Man Standing should be good. There's going to be some crazy spots. Hopefully they both stay healthy throughout the duration of the match so they don't have to go home too quick. <laughs> um, but it's a match that I, I, I think it's a can't miss once it gets going. People can complain about it now, but once the match is going on, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like I said last time, it's a nice bow because these feuds have been in pocket with these two guys since returning last year at SummerSlam. You know, you had the the crown jewel, you had the day one and you had the the, the post Royal Rumble and then you had the WrestleMania. So th they've been in pockets when you put it together. It's a hell of a story, but it just feels like it was the WrestleMania match was was good in a way, like three and a quarter. But it's still it didn't feel like that epic, like it was the biggest wrestling match of all time. It didn't have that feel, and it, you know, it's unfortunate, whatever. So maybe from that aspect, I'm glad that they have one more chance. So the, here's a little tidbit on the theory stuff. The theory stuff was that theory was they made the decision to go with theory three weeks ago, right? So they went from Money in the Bank, right? So three weeks out from Money in the Bank, they decided to go with theory, and they didn't tell anyone till day of, including theory. They announced Roman and they were announced Roman in in uh what Brock at the Riddle match three weeks prior to or two weeks prior to this, 
So I don't know if, you know, putting the pieces together, that kind of lines up there too. So that's a nice little interesting tidbit that I learned too. So it's, I don't, it's, it's interesting. It's fun. Um, it should be good. Hopefully it's great, but it is what it is. Do you, do you all think that we get a cash in? I think we get like the pump fake cash in where theory's music will hit. Everyone will go crazy, but he won't cash it in. That's a good point. I think we'll definitely get that. Rocco, do you think we'll actually get a cash in? I would find it hard to believe. Um, but if you're going to do it, this is, you know, it's SummerSlam. It's going to be a match that's probably going to have explosions and <laughs> sets falling apart and something wild that's going to happen. And uh, if you want to make this guy seem like a big deal, him holding the belt in front of how many? 60,000 people? I don't know the exact like amount, but that makes you look like a pretty big fucking deal, right? So, uh, uh, yeah, seems like, I don't know, if you're really going with this dude, then fucking pull the trigger, right? I, just have to, I just think the tease, yeah, I think the tease has to happen at the very least, whether his music hits, he comes out and then Reigns like comes to after he wins, after he uh, keeps the title, um, then, you know, he kind of makes theory run off, something like that. I mean, they, with the build, they absolutely have to go towards the tease at the very least. And, you know, from there, then you're kind of watching as the fan, like, wow, are they actually doing this or are they just fucking with us, you know? Or the swerve you guys were talking about earlier. I mean, if uh, if it happens with uh, Paulie turning on Roman in some big, crazy way, and you know, it'll be uh, I don't know. I feel like it's the big, the big bigness of the moment makes it a better time than some random RAW or some random uh, pay per view, right? So, and also they 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 were hinting at it this past week on RAW where uh, Rollins was being interviewed backstage and Theory went up to him and was like. Hey, I know you have a history about cashing these in, and Rollins was like, "Let me give you some tidbits," which I thought it was a nice little, you know, twist into the knife. Hey, there's history there. No, something. Ryan, Ryan, sorry, something to to throw in too, and this kind of piggybacks off your point too, and you, you know, your Heyman thought um, on Raw. You know, Theory comes out and he's talking to Heyman. Then they cut to the Usos watching the TV in the back, and it kind of felt out of place because yeah, they're in the bloodline. But they're not really like tied into this feud at all. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, if we want to fantasy book this, what if, you know, Reigns is mute, Reigns wins, um, Theory's music hits, Usos are out there already, or their music hit, and they jump in the ring and it's like they're ready to protect Reigns. And then they turn around and they fuck Reigns up, and then Theory catches it, and those three and, and Heyman go on their merry way, and you get a babyface Reigns. That's cool. There, hey, the night after WrestleMania, the Usos teamed with Theory. So there's kind of little tidbits that, you know, there's little sprinkles if you want to go down that rain. So I don't know. Interesting. All right. So we got the women's match, Scott. Scott, which women's match are you more excited for? Well, um, I'm going to lead off with the Raw one because I, the Natty possibly main being in a woman's match at SummerSlam. I'm just going to have to build myself up to, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think it's going to be Carmelo versus Becky versus Bianca. I thought after money in the bank where Becky won, I mean, where uh, Bianca won that, you know, Carmelo was like just the challenger of the month type deal, but then Carmelo jumped her after the match. She won by um, count out this week because Becky, you know, interrupted her interrupted uh bianca on the outside so we got the cheap count out and just the way it's going i, I don't think they want to go like they don't want to make it seem like SummerSlam is just like you know wrestlemania part two with 
you know, if we have another um, Bianca versus Becky match, I think we're going to have Carmella added to that. And I've kind of enjoyed, like, the Carmella and Bianca matches. Like, I, I just love Bianca. I remember seeing her at NXT on one of the house shows when they came up here. And me and my wife became a fan um, of hers, like, right then and there. Just her athleticism was awesome. Um, she had that star presence even before she even debuted on TV when she was doing the, the shows. But I think that's where we're going um, with that match. Uh, we'll see. Like we said, we've still got two more Raws before then. But... I think we're definitely going to have a three-way with that. You know, that's it's uh, that's a cool thing. And you, you kind of forget, not forget, but the idea of Car- Carmelo, like you said, being a stopgap. But there's no more four horsewomen, right? We got one left. And she's not even, like, she's the main thing. But, like, there's only one that's on TV. So, like, we really do. I mean, we talked about this. This could be, just be the, the Elevate the Mid-Card podcast. It's the most frustrating part. Well, Maybe you do start to need to get some of these people up there to be just not when when they have a match on a non big four or five pay-per-view. We might be like, wow, she might actually win this time. And like I I'm a Carmella fan. I think she's underrated. And like you said, with Bianca is she's she's so young. It's crazy. And she just she could be just a John Cena person. She could do crazy strong stuff like a big show edge uh, double uh, AA at a WrestleMania huge spot. She's super personable. Um, I feel like she's definitely needs to keep winning this match. I want her to keep that title all the way till whatever big match they got for Mania. Um, but yeah, um, I like Carmella being in there. And you think if she's just in there to take the pin, and she probably is. But whoever that third person is probably is going to do that if that's what they're going to go for. So um, yeah, I'm excited to watch that match. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was a three-way. But if it's going to be a three-way, you think that maybe... We'll get into a little bit later. You think Natty's going to be involved in that match, and then you think maybe Ziggler's going to be involved in that match, and then a potential cash-in. It's just like three-way city. You know, I don't I don't know about this one. This one would be the weakest one. It would be just, you know, you think Becky and Bianca in a rematch is, you know, an awesome match on paper, and then it just goes down a notch if you add Carmella. And I don't hate Carmella. I'm a fan like you said, Rocco. It's just the butt. You know, she had the shortest match at Money in the Bank. She looked like a million bucks, but, you know, she had, like I said, she had the shortest match and she had a count out win. And I don't know, I think she's just kind of fodder to be a placeholder to kind of make the Becky thing a distraction until they want to announce it or have someone jump through holes or build Bianca up before the potential win. If they go Becky versus Bianca right now, is it a Bianca win? Hands down. Is can Becky afford that? Is Or is this a way to get the belt on Becky? I personally think uh, Becky is uh, a made woman. Like she, she can be one of the stars of the women's division without having a title. And Rocco had a very good point where he said um, they could make uh, Bianca like the John Cena of the women's division. You're sort of already seeing that because um, the past couple episodes of Raw, whenever she comes out, they always pan to a kid who's like going crazy for her. So I, I think. Um, like that's just like a way of showing her like like she's reacting to the kids and it sort of reminded me of like when Cena you know all of us like you know smart fans quote unquote was like Cena should turn heel like he sucks as a baby face but then like you see him selling more merch than anyone because the kids love him now I'm not saying that she's on that level but they're certainly attempting to build her up which is a very good change of pace in my opinion but, like you're saying Becky does Becky doesn't she her character is 
so what it is and it seems like she could still be in the spiral you know she's still spiraling out like you could really play that for a longer con longer con but you know what i'm saying and like i don't she doesn't ever she probably doesn't need to ever win that title until she's a babyface again and she could still be becky lynch right they don't need her it's like the undertaker type character you don't need him to have the title and also i guess that if she loses a match she just comes back the next day it's like a rick flair no i didn't lose i'm good and you just go all right it's becky lynch she's delusional and crazy so um it'd be a rematch of the big face turn match anyway right so uh yeah uh, now do we think that they maybe haven't announced what the match is going to be yet because they're trying to figure out if Rhea's going to be ready because remember Rhea was supposed to be the title match at money in the bank um she's got some something going on i mean she said it was her brain um on instagram but then they she was posting pictures when she looked quite good i must say um with a heart (laughs) monitor on um and i don't know i've seen like a temporary heart monitor so i don't know if that's just like uh like a stress thing or what but um i mean obviously you know if we're thinking about a three-way on the smackdown brand um maybe the idea is if you can get Rhea back you do a four-way on raw and then you still got carmelo that can eat the l um but i mean obviously that would make for a much more exciting match and maybe even then you can have bianca lose the title to a Rhea. Um, and then Becky goes crazy that someone else won the title but her. I mean, that would just open up the doors for a lot more things. Um, and, you know, it would make for a better match and just go in a three-way, and it would keep it different from what SmackDown's doing. Yeah, just give me something. Just give me one-on-one somewhere. You know, we, they all can't be as well-built as this Usos match. Scott, what do you got for us there? Yeah, this – I'm saying it right now, two weeks before the show – this is going to be the match of the night. It was Ooh. my match of the night at Money in the Bank. Street Profits versus the Usos. They've been doing the thing where it's like either Caleb Braxton saying that the Street Profits aren't getting along. I don't think they're going to break them up. I do think that Montez Ford is going to be a star one day. But, you know, Angela, Doc- Angela Dawkins has shown that he can hold his own as well. Um, the Usos have been just killing it this year. I mean, they've been killing it for the past couple of years, but it, they've just been on another level this year that, you know, they're double dipping with Raw and SmackDown being the unified tag team champs. Um, you know, the money in the bank, they had the, um, the ending where Ford's, Ford's shoulder wasn't up, uh, was up and the ref missed that. So we have a special guest referee. I don't even know where they would go with that, but, um, I, I'm just looking forward to this match. These guys, you know, they had a weird segment with our truth where he wanted to be the um, the the ref this this Monday on Raw, and then it turned into a six way with Omos and the Usos versus Street Profits and Truth. But I I'm just looking forward to this match. I know these guys have wrestled in the past couple months, like you know, Ford versus Uso and back and forth. But um, Ryan. Before you, we get your thoughts on this match, who do you think the guest ref is going to be? Scott Steiner. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right. I would, I would right. lose my mind. Here we go. I think it's going to – well, it could be – I don't know. It could be weird. It could be Sammy. It could be Solo in a weird way. You know, call him up. He's a noose, whatever. Um, Rikishi. It could be – the only reason I said Scott Steiner, and I was obviously joking, but it could be like a tag team specialist that – we haven't thought of, and I'm like, hmm, maybe the long game with, 
you know, it's a it's a cute way to kind of I am kidding, but I have a little logic to it. So it, the long game would be, oh, maybe it's a little Braun Breaker bloodline introduction. You know what I mean? You know, it, so that's the only reason I went there after thinking who's like a like a heralded tag team wrestler that they could get in there and do whatever with. And I was like, oh, fuck Scott Snyder. <laughs> but and then I was like, oh, that Scott Snyder, and Braun Breaker, and then Braun Breaker being the next one to kind of beat the Usos. I mean, to beat Roman, yada, yada, yada. And you know how mine work. my mind works. But anyways, that, um, that's a little simpler math than Scott Snyder likes. Just counting the three yeah. is not enough for him. It's not going to be Scott Snyder, but you, that's kind of just my logic there. But I think it'd probably be Sammy. And I think it'd be, you know, it just adds, you know, it's not Sammy with the briefcase like we gloated about at last episode. It's Sammy as the referee. And it's the same idea, trying to get his way into the bloodline, trying to make himself useful to the bloodline. And he could fuck himself or he could kind of fuck these street profits. It just or he could fuck, you know, he could fuck the uh, bloodline. You never know. So it could be a cute little way to, uh, you know, keep that going and then it's just it's not a definite you know conclusion it's kind of a hmm there's i can see logic both ways so i put gun to my head i would say Sami Zayn. i can maybe see solo but that's kind of lame you know he's obviously one-sided and why would solo socolo be the ref but i don't know i hope they have someone creative and sammy's not a bad guess i don't get like the need to go as a special ref here. And Obviously I, that's going to play into the that, story, I agree but there's, I think, I think back of the money in the bank match and, you know, kind of go back to our star rating things. I text Ryan during the match and I'm like, this thing's at 4.5 now, probably when there was like five minutes to go and the finish with the shoulder up kind of kept it there, but that was, you know, one more false finish away from maybe hitting five. Um, I was so high in the match. Like if that was, in not in July, I might say that that was my WWE favorite match of the, of the first half of the year. Um, it just, it was so electric. There was like three or four false finishes that had me, um, especially with the Montez um, top rope splash. Um, I thought that they had that there, but what makes a false finish is a referee that is a seasoned referee that can make it look like he's about to count three, but it's not. When a, a special referee is not going to be that good. Um, so it kind of takes away from it. And obviously then they've got to book a different match than just like a false finish type match. But these two teams work so well together that I feel like the special referee is only going to hurt the match. Um, and I, I hate that I feel that way going in and I hope that I'm wrong, but I mean, I, I don't see many scenarios where the special ref's going to help the match as much as it's going to hurt it. That's a great point about, I was thinking that too, about the ref. Like this is a, these are matches that are, based on two and a half counts, right? So having, you know, guest referee wrestlers are not great <laughs> referees, you know? And usually not the guest referee is there to be more of an enforcer, not to be a better referee. You know, that's, it's not how, it's not really how it should work, where it's like, well, who's like, is it going to be a young Earl Hebner? Like, who's the young, who's the better referee? Some fucking random wrestler. So it really doesn't make sense. Maybe uh, Sammy takes out the new referee, puts on a mask as El Generico, and that's the El Generico introduction to this company. I don't know. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Mike, on that one, though. The special referee does seem to make almost me less excited for this match. And Scott, do you have a guess on who it would be? I don't know. Um, for some reason, I was thinking someone from the New Day, because the New Day really hasn't been doing much except for feuding with um, Seamus's people the whole time and they both have history with 
the Usos and the Street Profits. Not as much with the Street Profits. They just swapped the titles a couple years ago during the draft. But with the Usos, you know, they, you could probably create a DVD if they still release those of best of Uso versus New Day matches um, and segments. But for some reason, I was thinking Big E. And that's like one person I kept being drawn to of that. But I don't know. I don't know how his health is. See, when, you said, when you said New Day, I thought Big E. I was like, oh, Big E, but who knows if he's ready. He's a broken neck. <laughs> is uh, is Drake Younger scheduled for some sort of weird rally that day, or is he going to come back? Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> is he stripping women of their rights uh, that day, or is he uh, is he busy? So we'll oh, is, maybe. How is Tennessee, Scott? I don't care. <laughs> May, uh, Mayor Kane leans one way. Is that how that your state is, buddy? Oh, sadly. Drake Words and King come out to the biggest pop of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, who knows? All right, but hey, speaking of biggest pop of the night, fucking Logan Paul is not going to get the biggest (laughs) pop of the night at SummerSlam. I'll cheer for him, but I don't know if he's going to get the biggest pop of the night. What's going on with with Scott? This guy, Logan Paul, is going to be the biggest, like, it's like when they try to make Floyd Mayweather a baby face at the start yeah. for his WrestleMania match with Big Show. They're trying so hard to make him be the baby face. That's why I think they're going to pair him with AJ Styles versus Ciampa and Miz. We've seen this in the way for a little bit with like AJ Styles will have Miz beat or have him already beat up and Ciampa will come run out and help help Miz, uh, help Miz and then Ciampa will get beat up too, which, you know, I'm hoping that they elevate. I'm just glad to see Ciampa, you know, on the main roster. I never thought it would happen. But I think we're going to get a tag match here because they don't trust Logan Paul to be able to have a match on his own yet, which makes total sense. I know he was pretty good at uh, WrestleMania. I was watching it live there, and I enjoyed him like doing like the fake shimmy. Like, but he's a natural heel. It's it makes zero sense for him to for them to be pushing as a babyface. I know he probably wants to be cheered and everything, and he'll probably have. I don't even know like what his fan base is like little jackass teenagers. So if they're there, I'm sure they'll cheer him, but this man's going to get booed out of the building. Three of the four people here will get booed in this tag match, which I think it's going to be like Miz and Ciampa versus Styles and um, Logan Paul. I I think this is where they're going, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, they, this is the, I know they signed Logan Paul to a contract, but this is like the celeb siding. Which I feel really old when I'm like, I don't even know what the hell this guy does. Make shitty YouTube clips. It seems like he's delusional about his entire image where he's, I believe I read something saying he wants to be the good guy. Like he's, he, that was one of the conditions of his contract was he wants to be a face. And it's like, I don't think he understands that he was a successful draw as a boxer slash fighter. It was because people wanted to see him get fucked up. Not that they were in love with him. So He's also a guy who has a lot of sycophants and yes men who tell him anything he wants to hear because he makes a lot of money. So I assume he's just a completely delusional person. And Are you talking about Vince or Logan Paul? Yes, <laughs> he's like the same <laughs> motherfucker, right? So, yeah. So pair him with a guy like AJ is a great move. I mean, AJ's there. Like, I feel like AJ's on his way to being a coach anyway, right? Like, AJ's a paycheck casher at this point. Uh, so you pair it him with him, maybe he'll be a guy that could teach him how to wrestle and, uh, but also maybe offer some fatherly advice. I don't know. I have no interest in seeing Logan Paul, Logan Paul do anything except for maybe have Brock fucking bend them in half and shove him up his own ass. So 
So I I, I kind of dig Logan Paul, and I agree that he kind of definitely needs to be a heel because that's his personality and that's kind of his lane right now. But it's very smart to team him up with AJ Styles to have him get half cheered because AJ's gonna get that fucking legacy pop absolutely, and the Miz is gonna get heat. And I kind of dig this Chiampa Miz pairing because if you know ever since Chiampa showed up there was always tea leaves dropped that he's kind of got the Miz's back in a weird way well you know if it's with whoever so there was tea leaves dropped and then I'm really just happy that Chiampa is on a SummerSlam card from a historical uh, view like oh that's that's a really cool payday for him historically I'm glad he's on a SummerSlam because you know him on the main roster so far has been very main event-ish and not in the actual main event so I'm I love Chiampa I'm happy he's up here and I'm happy he's gonna start getting stories, start getting equity and start going out there and have good showings. But with low back to Logan Paul, dude, histo- someone needs to be like, yeah, we get it. You want to be a baby face, but historically, dude, you got to be hated before you're loved within the, in the WWE. You know what I mean? In a way, especially with someone from, with his stature, we want to boo that dude, but to our core, some of us actually respect him and that, that respect, could kind of grow you know he had a first great first showing but storyline wise it doesn't want to seem like like i know it's not nepotism but it doesn't want to come across as he's given it he needs to earn it and he needs to be a heel at first ryan are you going to be watched kind of like that protester who ran onto the basketball court and got tackled so if logan paul gets nailed are you going to be like one of mayweather's dudes snatching up his pokemon cards so you could get them all for yourself is that you're going to be on a watch list, I'm asking, since you will be there live. I don't know if I'm going to be there live, actually. Oh, well, I don't never know. mind. I gotta well, those fi- Pokemon I gotta cards might be safe, then. I got to figure that out on my end, but, you know, if Logan Paul wants to tussle for Pokemon cards, I'm not a Pokemon collector, but I- I- I'll fight for a million bucks. I'm, <laughs> you I'm, sure, I'm sure you could flip those cards pretty well, my friend. I know the people. Speaking of people <laughs> to call, uh, 508 Breaks um, on YouTube, on Facebook. That's Mike Rossi's fucking card thing. Rossi, what do you think of Logan Paul? My man. Um, so, I mean, that Pokemon card's worth like like $2 million, I think, the one that he had um, around his neck. But um, I like him. His potential's obviously there. I mean, if this guy, this guy worked out with uh, MSK for like a day before his WrestleMania match. And he was fucking awesome. He was one of the best workers on that night of mania. Um, so, I mean, this, this guy's got a lot of potential and he's super athletic. He's got the look. He's in really good shape. He's in better shape than some guys that work for that company full time. Getting him over as a baby face is going to be hard, but that's on the Miz. Um, and the Miz is going to have to figure out how to get to that point and become like a detestable guy. Um, and then at that point, the crowd loves booing the Miz. So, if they can come up with something creative on Raw this coming Monday when Logan shows up for the first time, then, yeah, I mean, I think that they could get a spot where he's not going to be like crazy pops. He's not going to get a bad bunny pop, but he should be able to get like enough of the crowd on his favor that they're able to pull it off as a successful baby move. I don't know if it's going to be a tag match. I mean, I-, I was thinking that for a while, but the way that he said, I want you one on one. Maybe that's a way for Miz to duck out of the one on one to go into the. Um, tag match but why would Miz be afraid of him you know what I mean and that's but that's where the heel can come into play so we'll see um I'm not I mean I'm excited to see where it goes I mean I think this guy's got a ton of potential to grow in this company and you know I thought he was a good signing yeah I dig him I think Miz is a coward that's just he's kind of kind of lie to us in any ways but I don't know did he say he wants Miz one-on-one or he just says Miz I'm coming for you I'm I'm not sure what what, what's going to happen with that 
it just seems how the TV's going. Thought they would still be better as a tag. It didn't make sense for them to split up at Mania, where Miz did like a babyface turn, it seemed, when he hit him. But then they went against that, but we'll see. Yeah, so this goes to a match where I think it would be very good, and I feel kind of bad for the people involved because I feel like they've been... They've been pretty good this year. Um, you know, I know Seth Rollins always gets hate. I'm uh, admittedly a fan of his. But it seems like they just threw these two guys together. It's uh, Seth Rollins and Riddle. Where Riddle was, you know, challenging for Universal Championship. You know, him and Randy. With Randy potentially being out the rest of the year. And he's still doing, like, the Randy Orton spots. It sort of leaves them, like, in a weird predicament. Um, I think this would be a very good match. There's just... I don't know if I just missed this, but there's not much story involved here. It's I they just need to light it up a little bit more, like on the story wise, because I know a match would be very good in in my opinion. But yeah, I think this is where we're going. You know, they were in a tag match on uh, Raw where they went against each other, which had that weird Dolph Ziggler return, which I never thought I would be happy to hear his music. But I was like, oh, I haven't heard that music in a while. But that's another story. But, uh, Rossi, what do you think about – do you think we get Riddle versus Rollins, do, or are they kept off the card? Yeah, I definitely think it happens. I mean, these guys have been main eventing um, live events. I'm not going to say house shows. Um, for the last, like, three, four weeks now. So um, they've been doing the loops when they're, like, if they're in Laredo, Texas, they do a Laredo street fight. So they've been kind of having the matches and trying some stuff out. And, I mean, anytime you tour with a guy and you do the – the house show main event loop for a while um you're probably gonna have a fucking good match when you get it get it on a pay-per-view so especially when they're two talented guys so yeah i think this is gonna definitely be on the card i think this might be the match that steals the show um riddle is just i mean the pop he's gonna get in this stadium is gonna be nuts um and then obviously on the other side you got rollins that even as a heel people love singing that theme song and he still gets really good pops when he comes out so the crowd's going to be electric for this one from the opening bell. Um, I think that they're definitely going to have a you know an interesting finish with this. Um, obviously, you know Rollins has kind of been to the point with Becky; he's kind of bulletproof. But I mean, do you really want him to lose four straight pay per views or five when you count Money in the Bank? Um, and then Riddle also kind of bulletproof at this point in a weird way. Um, he's lost a lot of matches and it hasn't affected him at all. In fact, if anything, it's kind of made people yearn for that push more. So. We'll see where they go with the with the finish of this match. I definitely think the match is going to happen, um, but I'm very excited for it because I feel like their two styles mesh pretty well, um, and I really am excited about the fact that it wasn't that long ago that um, Rollins said that he would never work with Riddle, and here we are, and they're touring the country together, and they're seemingly both happy about it. So um, it's just a testament to how far Riddle's grown and how much he's changed in that company versus you know, when he was a cocky kid in NXT and, you know, these two should definitely have a banger for sure. It, I also it think oh, sorry. him dropping his wife helped a little with that because I think uh, some of that, from what I've read, that he came from like the wife slandering Becky and Rollins. See that? That's yeah, true. It, it does seem like a thrown together, kind of like when they threw like Roman and Drew at that one mania when Roman came back. It's like, all right, well, these guys are definitely going to have a fucking good match. I mean, all it takes is one solid angle on uh, on Raw, and then it's heated up. So definitely excited. I kind of like what you're saying about the styles. Like where the uh, um, like Riddle is such a different style than most guys, so it's kind of always cool to see him against a new dude. 
So against a, a Rollins, that's kind of a cool thing. And I like the idea of a Rollins kind of giving him that win over one of the biggest names they got, right? So a win over Rollins at SummerSlam is a pretty big win for that dude after losing the reins. You know, he could beat, you know, his other boy. So uh, like you said, I think uh, a match stealer, uh, probably not for me, but it could be for a lot of other people. Ryan, this is where you insert some comment about me hating Seth Rollins. (laughs) (laughs) That's just nonsense. Well, Rollins has been a stud all year. His resume is untouchable, undeniable. But, you know, him and like like Rossi said, they've been going up and down the country having bangers and so did Rollins and Cody. So there's a recipe there for Rollins and his opponent to kind of just go out there and have main event matches and then bring it to pay-per-view and having absolute home runs. So that should be interesting. And then you guys mentioned there being no real story here. I suspect the story to kind of come after the SummerSlam match leading into other possible matches because honestly these guys don't need a story to get their shit going but it should be good and like whoever said should be match stealer of the night it really should these guys are probably be fantastic on the other hand i kind of don't like how they're intersecting like riddle coming off the loss to roman and then coming off losing the titles and then you have rollins coming off the cody three three trilogy lost all three so I like I like both these guys for the most part, and I kind of don't like how when they're coming together, one of them needing to lose yet again. So, but like like Rossi said, they're both kind of bulletproof in a way, especially of where they stand right now. And you know the draft is right around the corner, and that's a fresh coat of paint on someone too. So the cool I thing with Riddle too is he's got that using an RKO to win in the back pocket at all times. It's like such a cool thing. It's almost like a J- Japanese thing where he's got a super move because it's not his yeah. finisher, but when he hits an RKO, that's, you can't, if he hits that, like that's going to be insane. And uh, I think that's a sick finish and could just lead to some other crazy false finishes too. So I, I think that's a really cool aspect of that too. Yep. Um, And now, Here's a match that I think will be changed. I originally thought it was going to be Theory versus Lashley, which, you know, as I spoke about earlier, I th- I thought this was going to be Cena versus Theory. That I don't know if Cena is deciding to stay away from WWE after what's been going on with Vince, which has already been talked about. But I think we're going to get Ziggler involved in this because Ziggler came down and turned babyface this Monday on Raw with you know, knocking Theory's legs when he was trying to cheat using the ropes and then super kicking him out of uh, after the match. But Theory versus Lashley, you know, I've, I've enjoyed these matches. Lashley has just been amazing. Um, ever since he won the title um, a couple years ago or last year, I, I don't know what time is anymore since March of 2020, but um, <laughs> Lashley's just been amazing. So, and I enjoyed their match at... Um, and money in the bank, but throwing Ziggler in there, you know, we know Ziggler. I, I know he catches a lot of, a lot of health from everyone, myself included, but you know, he, 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 he's someone who went away for a little bit. I was like, Oh, I didn't have to see him, you know? And now that I saw him come back on Monday, I was like, huh, you know, I'll give him another chance. So that was the perfect thing. Go away for a little bit and come back. So yeah. do, do you think we get theory versus Lashley versus Ziggler or is Lashley removed and put in another match and it's theory versus Ziggler? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Is there any way that they could do the old Dolph Ziggler trick? We talked earlier about having star power problems. 
And, you know, we've talked about having three or four other possible three-way matches, and they just do the old Dolph Ziggler trick and make theory go as a two-time, two matches on one pay-per-view. He has his U.S. title match, and then he's going to go out there and face Ziggler for the t- for the briefcase. You know, brief, uh, Ziggler has one of two or three top cash-ins of all time. If it's behind Edge, the first one, or behind Rollins at WrestleMania, those are probably the top three, in my opinion. And could they go in a lane where... Theory, it's really not a heel thing to do, but somehow Theory, find, he's such a, you know, he finds himself in two matches. And, you know, Pierce gave him the money in the bank opportunity, but Pierce is going to make him fight two matches again. And, you know, that's going to add a little toughness to him, and that's what he needs. So I think that's a possibility, or it could be really just throw Dolph Ziggler in the mix, and again, kind of like Carmella, it's a way to pin him. So, I don't know. What do you think of the two-way thing, Rossi? I, the Dolph thing's definitely strange. I, I don't know. I, two matches would be weird. Um, I feel like you could get Lashley into something else. Um, I don't know what, but obviously think hopefully not Omos again. But um, they already announced it though, right? They yeah, did. they did. They did. You're right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they do with that. Or if maybe they just do Dolph and Theory on TV next week. It could be that stupid as that. Um, but I mean. I would do Theory and Dolph at SummerSlam. I feel like that's a match where Theory would shine um, mm-hmm. and really could put him in front of, an, of a crowd that, you know, big crowd, big pay-per-view audience, um, a lot of viewers that might be seeing him for the first time. Um, I definitely think that's what I would do. Um, him and Lashley was fine at Money in the Bank, but is it really going to get much better than that? And that's not really a knock on Lashley. I just feel like Lashley excels in those, like, big Huss fights as opposed to you know, with a smaller Jack kid, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I can't see there being two matches. It's a really fun idea. And I would honestly be open for it as long as we got Ziggler and theory in a singles match. Well, here's the thing. If, I don't know, man. Like you want to make theory, dude. He wins the money in the, he retains his money in the bank. He wins the U S title and he goes and cashes that in. He's a fucking star, dude. You know what I mean? Like it's, it sounds silly on paper, but fuck man, you look back on that and that's his moment. Bobby Lashley deserves way better than that, right? Yeah, but someone, you know, it, he could slip on a banana peel or whatever. They already announced the match, dude. They can't take yeah. it away unless something weird happens. Well, I mean, he deserves better than the – yeah, it's such a strange – yeah. Who the fuck knows? That's such a confusing little possibility. He's I guess 21 we'll find out. years older than Theory, by the way. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Lashley is 21 years older than Austin Theory. That's well. that's insane. I'm, every time they show that Lashley like video package, and they're like, "Yeah, I graduated high school in '92." I'm like, "How old are you, man?" Dude's 45, man. Do you whip it out every time you uh, they play that? By the way, Scott. Yeah, all the time. I, I mean, Ziggler's Ziggler's 17 years older. Wow, he's been well. He's been around since the Spirits. I know, but that's he, it. He, he doesn't look it. That. <laughs> he doesn't look 41, you know. Nah, he's angry. He, he could literally be his dad. That's pretty wild. Yeah, speaking of being dads, what do you uh, what do you what do you think of Liv Morgan? <laughs> Are you saying uh, that because her father died at a young age and her mother raised her and her six kids? A great transition. That's, that's harsh. That that's harsh, dude. Oh wow! Hit me <laughs> Look at that now, like I pulled out. <laughs> um, Mark sorry, for edit. Oh god, Chef, go ahead. Yeah, this. Now this is what I have a problem with, Natty. I think it's the Total Divas ruined me on Natty. Yes, I watched that show. 
I loved it. But she was so damn annoying in it that I just never want to see her on my TV screen ever again. Now, her Twitter game is A+, because I, she's just been shitting on Ronda for the past couple of weeks. That's been pretty amazing. But I just have a feeling the way it's going. I know that we have Liv and Natty this Friday on SmackDown, so by the time you're hearing this, it will already have happened. But, you know, Natty was saying last week on SmackDown that the only reason why you're the champion is because, you know, I softened her up. And, like, I thought Ronda was going to actually go away after Money in the Bank. Looks like she's keeping her being stuck around here. I would have put her off TV for a couple weeks because this run, compared to her first run, it's, like, two different things. Like, I, it just doesn't seem like she's motivated, but that's just a whole other issue. But I think, we're like, there's no other SmackDown women's wrestlers that are that are ready in my opinion um like uh you guys spoke about Shotzi earlier we haven't really seen her or Raquel I don't think she's ready either Lacey Evans just turned heel but like they would have to be spinning up a story in you know three episodes of Smackdown they may be able to do it but it just seems like we're gonna get Liv versus Natty versus Ronda that's why we're gonna have two women's titles that are through uh you know triple threats and I don't think they'll have Ronda be pinned maybe they have charlotte come back and attack ronda and then Liv beats natty and we're, we're going from there but uh rocket what do you think do you think we get the, this triple threat or are we going down a different avenue that i just haven't thought of um i really don't want to see natty in this match um i would love just a ronda match with Liv, and she beats her and like give her a fucking win over ronda at SummerSlam and Maybe this is when like Ronda have her, you know, having her at SummerSlam would definitely be good to have her at the big show, and then maybe she could disappear for a while. Like I thought she was going to be gone too for a little bit too. So um, I would, I mean, my dream, or not, like I'm not really dreaming about it, but I would prefer, I would like to see her against Ronda in a match. Hopefully, it could quiet some people who might be anti-Live people, and maybe Ronda could have a cool match. I mean, they seem like they're affable together on a when you see them uh, in the same space and talking about each other. So yeah, I would like to see that match and it be really good. And Liv gets a huge win, which is sick to think of that, right? How many people have beat uh, Ronda? So uh, that would be my thing. I don't want Natty anywhere near this, unless it means Liv pins Natty and that's how she beats Ronda and Natty in that one match. That's the only reason I would want Natty to be in that match. Yeah. I don't know which way this goes. You know, you see that house show footage of Natty walking out and you assume it's a work. Because I don't really think that Natty would do that to Liv. Well, I don't think that Liv would fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, Liv has been wrestling on TV since 2017. So I don't really, like, think that all of a sudden she wins the belt. She's going to, you know, start fucking up on house shows for Natty to get pissed and go off TV. You know, walk off. So I don't know why they did that. But I just hope that that's over with. And um, I don't know. Maybe it's Natty still around in a way to... I just can't see Liv Morgan beating Ronda clean. <laughs> I just can't. Like, like I like Liv. I don't mind Liv. There's definitely something there. And there's definitely, you know, that you can't deny the response that she got once she won the belt. So at the end of the day, it kind of was the right decision. It's interesting that Stephanie was there. And her first CEO, quote-unquote CEO, PLE, she gives the super fun moment to live. And then you get to weigh the options too, where it's like, oh, we're going to kind of do this screwy finish with theory. So let's give him a happy, happy ending with live. So let's, you know, live's been up by on the chase. We're going to kind of pull some shit with theory. So let's give him this moment. So I don't know if this is a super long storyline. I wouldn't mind going out there and having a good nine, 
10-minute match where Ronda sells, but ultimately Liv taps out, and, you know, at the end of the day, she's a little, she's elevated somewhat for holding the title for, like, a month or whatever. But I just can't see her beating Ronda again without, like, a Charlotte return or Natty somehow getting involved or just whatever next for Ronda. And like I said, she sh- hope, or someone said, hopefully Ronda goes away a little bit after this because... You know, it's a, it's a, it would go a long way for her for the rest of the year to kind of have her take a break from everyone and come back with a fresh coat of paint. Rhonda, she's not the, she's not the female Brock Lesnar anymore. She does not need to be that protected. She could lose a match to live to put her over and make her seem super important. Like, but this run is so uninspired. Like, that would be the best thing she's done is put over live in the match. So to me, that would be her best. The best version of Rhonda right now for me would be to put over person who needs to be put over right now at a big show so i don't need female brock lesnar anymore she had her chance the last time she was there she's buckets has not lived up to that this most recent run so so the charlotte side of it's interesting i didn't really think of her um kind of as i you know i'm kind of becoming the fantasy book guy but you know we try to figure out how to break up the two three ways so let's say they do it in raw and then do we do we rule out Charlotte coming back and getting herself in this match in either three or a four way um, format before SummerSlam, or do we oh. think that she just returns after? Um, I mean, that would be a way. I mean, either way, if Charlotte's in it, then I mean, you need Natty in it for Liv to to win, I think. But um, yeah, it's interesting to think about. I completely forgot about Charlotte's existence in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, if they want to go four-way with this, that's better on paper than the three-way. And you know, add Natty for whatever. But you know, I'm 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 over it. I'm over Natty. I'm over Natty talk. Mm-hmm. What do we got for Corbin? Our last, you know, the last match we're gonna look at was Scott. So Scott, what do you think about Corbin and McAfee? What do you how are you enjoying that so far, and what's kind of going on? Um, I never thought I would be a Pat McAfee fan, but he really, really? won me over with uh with Mania, and I, I just love his announcing. You know, he's woken up Michael Cole, who actually seems to be enjoying his job for the first time in like five or 10 years since he was, you know, the coal miners, quote unquote. But this has been fun. Um, McAbee got jumped by Corbin after Money in the Bank paper, uh, sorry, PLE. And he actually wore a uh, neck brace to the UFC event, you know, and we had Corbin on um, SmackDown this past week doing announcing, acting like he was better than McAfee being horrible, you know, and this just shows that like they trust Corbin in this match, which goes a long way because for the longest time, you know, they, 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 they didn't really know what to do with Corbin. Like they had him as the constable and like, you know, I remember the WWE, like the McMahons blamed him for why the ratings were in the toilet, which was very odd, but no, it's, um, it, it should be a fun match. Um, you know, McAfee had a, had you know a fun match with Theory, and the less we talk about that Vince match, the better. But um, it was a great live. I'm not sh- great live, so I, I think this will be tons of fun. Um, it just seems like you know they're trying to position SummerSlam uh, as like a, as as big as WrestleMania. If you look at this card, we got two celebrities on it, um, and. Yeah, and I think we're going to have McAfee take take the win here. Uh, R- Rossi, what do you think? Oh, yeah, McAfee's got to win. Um, I mean, Corbin kind of doesn't have to win anymore. I mean, not that he's, like, bulletproof like like some of the other people we mentioned, but, I mean, after he dropped a madcap for 
you know, three or four straight matches. It'd be stupid for him to come here and, and beat this, um, beat McAfee. I mean, I, I want McAfee to, to win, and I want, I'm going to say it every time we talk about this. I want sad, depressed Corbin back. Um, SummerSlam's a good place to do it. You can have him walk in the streets of Nashville like a bum after. Like, that's what I'm here for. Um, and I want McAfee to be the one that sets him back to that because that would make television post-SummerSlam just that much better. I mean, McAfee's fucking awesome. I mean, I was watching the, the Money in the Bank matches that he announced were better just because he was announcing it. Um, and it was just electric whenever he is on the mic lately. He turns so many segments that could be shit into entertaining just because of how he he talks about it. I mean, look at the Shanky stuff. Like, some of the dumbest shit that you could see on TV. But every single time he says, go Shanky, like, I, like, lose my mind laughing. Um, the guy's just electric. Everything he brings to the table is awesome. And, you know, Corbin is a different match for him. Like we've talked about in a couple uh, last two weeks ago. Um, he doesn't have the small guy to bump around with. Um, he's got a bigger guy that he's going to have to be the one that bumps. So we'll see how it all goes. And and I'm ready to see McAfee kind of turn his game to another level. It's going to be a fun match. I don't have much to say about it. I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I am also a uh, McAfee convert where I did not like him at first. And I'm like, this is the most genuine sounding announcer they've had in years. And it's going to be a fun ass match. Go Shanky, go Shanky, go. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Pat McAfee bringing things up, Scott, I got a little beef with you, buddy. I don't see the male maximum models on your rundown sheet. Now, Ice called Rossé in Ruko earlier now she flot like w- w- what's going on dude <laughs> nashville isn't ready for him that's just what it boils down to <laughs> nashville isn't ready I, I don't blame him there's gonna be tons of uh wrestling nerd fans there and we'll also have a shit ton of bachelorette parties and they, we don't deserve the maximum male models um all right good call good call now this is some of the stupid shit that they've put on tv but at its core, it's super dumb and, and, and low-key embarrassing. But the, like, the extras, the you apply to be a model. Like, my son applied to be a model and sent me the text today. I was like, what are we doing with our life? And then just Max Dupree, or sorry, excuse me, Max Dupree, his, um, you know, his close talking and him with his, like, flashcards and just some of the big words that I obviously I cannot pronounce are, like – work and then like Mansoor here's the at the end of the day here's the thing Mansoor and Mace have like no upside so if it's a failure who gives a fuck they'll find something else for LA Knight to do because he's kind of perfect for this or whatever so I don't know I want part of me is just like this is so dumb and please no one that I know walk into my house and watch me watch this but Part of me is just like the extras of like the st- the tidbits and the extras of like the social media stuff, and I really like LA Knight, so I don't know. It's 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 kind of grown on me, but to the core, I cannot defend it. It is the stupidest thing ever. But I did pop for Mace Mace's new name and Mansoor's new name that I can't even remember. So I don't know. Like, is is this does this have any hope, Scott? I I think it does. It, like you brought up the most important thing. Wrestling is great when it's not to be taken serious. This is something that I just love about wrestling. It brings back, you know, something that it shouldn't like we should like it shouldn't work, but it does. Mansoor has only trotted out 
um, when they do the Saudi Arabia show. So he actually has something he has like has to do now. So that's fun. Uh, Mace, we haven't seen him since Lesnar F5 him through a table. That's also great. So it's just like, it, it, long as we don't have something, long as they have something to do, it's good. And like you said, your son signed up to be a model. That that that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Rocco, did you sign up to be a model or not yet? Or I I got out of that game a few years ago. You know, it's cutthroat, oh. and uh, you know. It's cut. Fuck you. <laughs> I do want to see the MMM. On a bachelor, one of those bachelorette bike party bikes. Just, I want a vignette with them just roaming through Nashville on one of those bikes. I think that would be a great little segment for this. But you know what? They're a three-man band s group with these dudes. Like, why the fuck not, right? Yeah, it's 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 whatever. Like, if here's the thing, if yeah. this is gonna be anything important, right? Then what's gonna happen is it's not gonna be made. Mason Mansoor that's going to make this important like if it's or not important like if it's this is going to actually work it's going to be with like pretty deadly or it's going to be with like a guy that we can't even think of or honestly fuck can I could see Ricochet in this fucking group and that's how Ricochet makes it to the next level you know what I mean but it's not going to be Mason Mansoor those guys are just going to be heaters thank god they didn't put Dominic Dijak in this thing (laughs) thank god it was oh shit fuck what if they throw it, you know, if this group gets established, the next guy could be it. And fuck, why not have it be Dominic Dujac, you know? Rossay, are you a big Maximum Male Model guy or what? <laughs> I'm just la- like, I literally have been laughing on mute for like the last like 10 seconds because <laughs> I'm thinking about Mansoor making his epic return to uh, the kingdom <laughs> <laughs> as a Maximum Male Model. And the entire crowd being like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but <laughs> but no, I mean, it's good TV. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be these two because it seemed like it wasn't going too well on the dark match routes um, that they were doing pre-SmackDown. I mean, I remember we we had SmackDown here in Worcester, and when um, L.A. Knight came out with uh, Mace, it was like, what the fuck is going on? This is strange. Um, But, I mean, it's become even stranger, but it's working better. Um, I mean, it's got people talking. I think the website thing's electric because it gets people – you know, gets a lot of social media scrabs on it. It's it's so goofy, but goofy works sometimes. And, you know, you've got L.A. Knight in this thing as Max Dupree. And from there, I mean, he can wrestle, too. Um, so they've got three wrestlers in the group if they want to go that route. Um, and Mace isn't very good, but the other two are. And Mace can be the muscle. So it, it might work. Um, we'll see where it goes. But, I mean, the, the second that I saw that they're going to introduce the tennis collection, like it instantly became something that I had to see. It kind of reminds me of like when we were talking about Ezekiel um, and, and Elias, like it's so dumb, but I can't wait to see what happens next. You know? Yeah. I, I'm just curious if it's going to work in a month or whatever, or it's going to be dropped. Oh, it's interesting. All right. But I can't tr- transition naturally. <laughs> Great American Bash, man. I'm usually pretty good, but whatever. Uh, Great American Bash, Rocco. Overall, I thought it was a good show. I thought we overhyped it a little bit. But NXT to its core, in my opinion, has been overhyped lately. It's it's just – it is what it is. It's a developmental show. Um, 
Devlin or McDonough, whatever the fuck his name is, in Breaker should be good. But we've been saying so-and-so in Breaker should be good for a while now. And it's just kind of a little rocky, a little bumpy, but they, they're not really going in with Breaker. They're just kind of throwing shit at him and letting him actually get better instead of throwing smoke and mirrors and letting him shine. He already shined. He's already established. So let's kind of work on his future. Let's kind of give him some stuff to sink his teeth in and let's kind of see where he can go. So that's kind of where NXT as a whole is at up front. But honestly, the women division is kind of clicking a little bit. You know, you got Toxic Attraction. And they just, you know, we'll get into that with Rossi in a second. But overall, Rocco, what did you think of the Great American Bash? Did we overhype it, or am I a little too too skeptic? No, I don't think we overhyped it. Well, no. I, you know what? It's just, it's it's baseline is low. And that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. overhyping it now is like, it's not, it's still never going to be an A, a, I don't think. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it was just, it just kind of was a glorified TV episode, if you ask me. Um Mini, uh, not mini, uh, Scottish Peter Dinklage being the next guy to fight Braun Breaker does not excite me oh, at all. No. Grimes definitely had his best match, Braun's best match, I thought, but like, it seems like he's sticking around and I don't know if they can do whatever, but uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not, I, I thought one thing was interesting if you watched the show, every match had a, like an NXT new guy with an older, like an old indie guy. Because like Wesley. Wendy Chu, uh, Grayson Waller, who's been around, you know, Roddy Strong, Cameron Grimes, Toxic Traction, they were all against the newer NXT guys, which I thought was kind of interesting, and that's kind of how it should be, right? Like, learning from people who know a little better than you. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a fun Tuesday night to sit down and watch, and um, didn't blow my mind. I'm never going to rewatch any of those matches again, except for maybe the tag match that Mike will talk about later. Um, I was converted, though, by Grayson Waller, who I've never been that excited about but oh you're on the train buddy i'm on the grayson waller train that dude knows what he's doing he is way more natural at this thing than i maybe have not been paying the most attention to and like i said i think he should be the guy in theory spot right now based on what i've seen and i've went back and rewatched a bunch of his shit and he is such a natural as a person on the mic and uh way more athletic than i gave him credit for so if anything it made me a grayson waller fan so i enjoyed it the tag match fucking ruled and uh the female tag match ruled and Grayson Waller is great. So there you go. Yeah. If we, if we had clotheslines and headlines a year ago, I would be on like Grayson Waller would be, I'd be gushing about him and be like, what, what does this guy have? He has something that's kind of catching my eye and then just watch him blossom. And he, and he really shined in that war games. And he really, when he taken out Gargano, which is unfinished business and what we could have, you know, he Gargano hinted to, I think we got Gargano news coming soon. He's got that podcast SummerSlam weekend with Conrad or whatever. So I think we're going to have something coming out of that. And I'm curious if it's a return to NXT. Interesting. Other person I really got into real quick. Tiffany Stratton wrestled the most Fit Finley match I've ever seen anyone wrestle who wasn't Fit Finley. She (laughs) had this, she was working a hand, which is such a, such a cool thing. You don't see very much. Yeah. Um, um, rubbing the hand across the top rope and Wendy Chu, she's been around for a while. You know, Karen Q was a good wrestler. She's really good. Yeah, she is like the gimmick, stupid, this, but whatever. Yeah, but like with hope, with hope that that eventually becomes into something. She's had two really fucking weird gimmicks. Um, maybe the next gimmick could be like good female wrestler. But <laughs> Tiffany Stratton, like that was such a wild match. I'm watching it. I'm like, what the fuck match is this? This is so cool. So, you know, I really enjoyed that match too. For five minutes, it was a fucking blast. 
And it was pretty cool how uh, Karen Q kind of alluded to her old character in that match, too, when she went and sat, on, sat down on, on the chair, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But anyway, so we, we keep flirting around this tag match, Rossi. Your, your girls, the Mega Powers, finally imploded last night. We were texting in the middle of it. And, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Rossi, are you sad? Are you happy? What do you think? I'm glad they won the belt so there was a little substance behind them <clears throat> up before they got to it. But it's a really cool story, and it's a really cool it's a good character arc for both of them. You know, Roxanne has shown a little more polish, a little more shine, and Cora has kind of I like the sinister turn for her after having the really, you know, Roxanne really kind of shine stole that, you know, bright new toy shine from her and they went with that in the storyline. So, what did you think, Rossi? Were you sad or what? So, I'm bummed that it happened because I thought that, you know, I kind of I, I've been telling you, I mean, you, you can attest to this. I mean, I told you, like, before the the match at Bash, like, it's this is going to be when the turn happens because they just, you know it's going to happen. I mean, Cora and and, um, and Roxanne are made to be, you know, feuding for the rest of their lives. I mean, you, you look at it, Roxanne's 20 years old, <laughs> 20 years old. Then Cora's 21. So you could theoretically get 15, 16, 17 years out of these two girls um, if they don't screw it up. But, I mean, there's really no reason to screw this up. I mean, it's right there in front of you. And these girls are getting better by the week. Roxanne came into this company with so much polish for a girl that age. Um, Cora, not as much polish, but she kind of had more of the like the character development to her already. Um, I liked how they took the stink off of it by giving them the titles last week, because obviously, you know, you win the titles one week, you don't expect a turn to happen the next week, but I will say I, it was easy to figure out as the night went on. They kind of teased it throughout the night without you figuring, you know, without straight out saying it. And it became very crystal clear to me when core was out, you know, came out to try to steal the title match and then Roxanne's music hit. And then you could see the look of Cora's face. Like, how is this bitch out here? Um, and then she like, is trying to talk her out of it, but then she says, yeah, go get them, go beat her. Um, but then she doesn't leave, you know, she stays by the ring. Um, you just knew the turn was coming at that point. You know, I saw her coming from a mile away, um, bumped out by it because, you know, you give them the tag titles. I was kind of hoping for that run with them. And, you know, to the thing we were talking about too last night, Ryan, like if they decided to, you know, merge the NXT titles with the main roster uh, titles, they're kind of the perfect two to do that with because you can kind of give them a taste of the main roster, kind of see how far they really are away from being viable there without actually putting them on their full, full bore. Um, so that's the portion I'm kind of bummed out by, but I'm also excited about the fact that they get to work together. Now um, Cora as a heel core has got that page vibe to her that she should be able to work in both. Um, and the Indies, she was mostly a heel or like a like a darker baby face. So she's going to be able to pull that off. Just darken her image a little bit. You should be okay. And Roxanne, I mean, she's got baby face built up from the second she walked in the doors. Um, the, the idea of it all was awesome with, you know, like I said earlier, taking, giving them the titles to take the stink off. The only thing I was disappointed in is I thought the execution of it was poor with the skateboard breaking. Like, obviously, that's out of her hands. Um, but that kind of hurt the actual visual of the turn. Um, 
and it, you know that's that obviously became like a meme today and like a stupid gimmick like video thing that was going around <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, um, was- that's the disappointing part of it. But um, overall, I I thought that the way that they did it in the match made sense. Um, they have a ton of different ways to go with it now. Other things to think about: Does Cora end up having muscle, and was that muscle someone that actually jumped her in the parking lot? And then I think about: Okay, if Cora gets muscle, who would it be? I immediately think of Indy maybe turning heel to do that because she's kind of lost in the woods herself. Um, and they kind of tease the three of them working together um, a little bit in the buildup to, to Great American Bash. So that would be a fun idea, and I think it could be a way to kind of get Indy back on TV more. Um, so something to think about there. But overall, I mean, now you can keep those two away from the title picture. Um, you can bring Nikita back in and have her win the title next or have Alba Fire win the title next, whichever route you want to go. And that kind of can leave two awesome women's segments on your show every week, which that's obviously the strength of that show right now. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean that these two can't reconcile down the road. But where they're at now, I mean, this was the mega powers imploding. It just happened earlier than some people might have thought it was going to happen. And, and that's OK, as long as they execute with it now. Uh, sky's the limit for both these girls, and I still think that. Yeah, so instantly, you know, we were texting, and I said, wow, this is a actually a pathway to unify the WWE and the NXT women's tag team titles. You know, they're both kind of up in the air. You have the Naomi and, and Sasha situation, and then you have a tag team splitting up. So it's it's kind of like, hmm, that's rather interesting that's a way and then they could put a fancy name like a unification name on them because honestly the women's tag team nxt tag team should have never ever been invented but whatever we're past and over that they've done that but they could put a fancy name on it a bigger name than it was when it was with sasha and naomi and then they can have a nice long tournament between all three shows and that's a great way to kind of get the belts back and really help the women's division the mid card on both shows so that's kind of was my way of getting there and getting out. So, but we had got, we got Scott back. Scott finished us up on the WWE. We kind of took NXT and went went up when you Nick today the gimmick and you had to get off here for a second. But what do you want to fi- let's finish this up quickly with on WWE and move on. Yeah, I uh, you know a couple weeks ago after in Money in Bank we saw Gunther the IC champion, supposed SmackDown star. He showed up on Raw really for no reason. You know, a couple years ago they had said, or last year they had said that the uh, like two superstars can show up on another show once a quarter or something. But now with like this between the releases and just not a lot of superstars that we've spoken about over this podcast, I think it's time to end the brand split. It's basically dead. I mean, we have Riddle was basically showing up on Raw and SmackDown with Orton when they were feeding over the titles. We have the Usos showing up. Um, um, we got the Usos basically showing up after, like, showing up on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I, I say just end it. We have already had the tag titles unified. We can have the world titles unified as well. And then um, we can unify the women's title. And... I see in U.S. title we can keep just for the prestige, but I say we just bring it all back. And when, you know, we get stars again, maybe we can talk about doing um, the brand split. So 
like Rossi, what do you think? Do you, do you think we should keep the brand split alive? Because it's not like we are seeing like new stars being used. Like Rollins and Riddle were all over the show. Lastly was all over the show. So it's not like, you know, they're building new, like using like lower card stars a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I like the idea of the brand split because obviously it makes both shows more entertaining. It's almost too much TV though, with five guy or five hours of TV per week. If you're just going with the same storylines, um, that's the part that's iffy for me. And the other thing, like the tag titles getting merged and the world title getting merged, kind of made sense. But like merging the women's titles, I feel like would hurt the division um, because like like look at Bianca and I mean with Bianca's the only women's champion, and you don't have that cool live moment, um, or you're gonna have to, you know. Um, hot potato those title that title more and i feel like they've done a pretty good job with the women's title like not being a hot potato belt anymore so um that's the only one that i really want them to kind of keep separated for because i feel like yeah are both women's divisions um deep no but will there be more women that get lost in the shuffle um yes now that could also obviously be where they bring the tag titles back in um, and it could also be a reason why Liv has a title and Ronda doesn't because you kind of want to don't go to Bianca and Ronda and to do a merger, but maybe a Bianca Liv makes more sense. Um, but you know, that's the only hangup that I have, but it's kind of what we were saying. If you bring the tag titles back to prominence in some way that can help, you know, ease that burn a little bit for sure. Yeah. And Rocco, like we we just don't have enough stars right now. Like we we said like the same five or six names the whole, the whole time, and half of them are are upper mid carders. Like, what do you feel about this? Yeah, I I agree with what Mike Mike said, and you know we're not gonna get that SmackDown 2016, which is like my last favorite era of WWE, where they really seemed different. And when it's the only difference is the hours and who the top guy is, then I guess maybe it's kind of I kind of like I like the idea of it being different shows with different guys, but if it's the same kind of way they treat everything, then it does seem kind of pointless. I agree a lot about the women's title needing a secondary title if they're going to do that too. But yeah, I mean, they don't have a lot of dudes and they got a lot of time to fill. So uh, maybe it is time. Maybe it's, I don't know. And I, I wish they didn't have to, but it seems like they might have. to. And I would say no on consolidating all the titles, unless I just went on about consolidating the women, the women's tag team titles. That that makes the most sense. But to consolidate the Raw and the SmackDowns, I just I don't think there's a world that that, that needs to be. And it's not like it's the Universal and the WWE name where they're kind of flipped a little bit. They're they're, they're the show names, so they're kind of treated like the TV titles in a way, and kind of they're they of course they're the world title, but you could also maybe leave them and have them be the mid-card titles, and, and then if you wanted to have a big unified women's title, sure. But I don't think that, and that's another way to help depth on the show, but I don't think making one big women's single title, I don't think that's a great idea. But I don't want to end the brand splits. I want to go back I, I want to go back to a more concise brand split. <laughs> you know what I mean? I that's agree with that. Like I said, 2016 me. SmackDown, that's what I want the brand split to be. Two different shows, two different visions. Yeah. Make, you know, when Vince, you know, if anything happens to Vince, ununify the titles, ununify the title, you know, 
both of them, and then just go at it, guys. You know what I mean? Like, like just a fresh coat of paint on everything, just like you said, Rocco, 2016. All right, Shift Flip, what do you got? We got some. We got three funky videos going on. Let's clean it up. What do we got going on here with these funky videos? What do you, and what do you think they are? Well, the first one, it debuted at Money in the Bank, and, you know, you see, like, this person walking around in, like, an alleyway, and he's passing, like, cars that are exploded. And then we see, like, in the video, it's, like, uh, some gold medals and then a license plate that says Latino Heat and I, I think some other people caught some like Dudley Dudley Boy's glasses and maybe like a Jeff Hardy um like his weird arm things that he had but um looks like WWE's getting back to vignettes which I love and I know I said that word wrong I've said it wrong for 33 years it's just going to continue I think that's Edge. I think that's a mistake. I think that should be used on someone new. Um, and NXT is using this as well, which I like with uh, Axiom, which I, I believe Meltzer said that was the former A-Kid, but he used that name on the indie, so they, they're giving him that now. And he's actually been talking about it. He's actually putting a mask back on, which I'm, I'm cool with mask wrestlers. And then we're having this weird QR um, vignette on NXT as well where like you can scan it and it had like a countdown. I think it's like 10, 16, 2022. And then it had another one this week where it looked like Wordle with, hmm. um, which just reminded me how bad I am at Wordle, but that's a, another discussion for another day. <laughs> I, I'm not sure who this QR, I don't know if it's a new signing, maybe where they're repackaging someone. I have no idea. Um, do you guys have like, uh, Ryan, do you think that it's Edge behind that one that we're seeing on the main roster? Yeah, I think it's Edge. It's Edge. When you know, real quick, when it was Latino Heat, it was a he. You know, he leveled up. Well, let's let's start from the front. When it was the Brood, he leveled up when he went to the Ministry. That's the Christians. That's the Christian signs. When he was a tag team wrestler, he leveled up with a TLC. When he was a mid carter, he leveled up when he faced Kurt Angle and became an upper mid carter. When he was a, on that heel run, he got a little stagnant, but he leveled up when he was with Vicky Guerrero. That's Latino Heat. He leveled up. It's just him leveling up, and it's a really smart way to reintroduce him after the Judgment Day flop because it's time for him to level up Judgment Day. Or it's a time for him to level up himself after falling back on Judgment Day. So I think it's a really smart presentation in a really good way to get him going again. Yeah, yeah. I just wish it was being used on someone new. I, I feel you. I feel you with that, too, on the wish it was someone new. But, I mean, ultimately, it's kind of like a teardown of what his character revolved around for the last six months, you know, like. They it's did needed. the heel turn. Yeah, they did the heel turn. So now they kind of have to um, go the route of, you know, bringing him back. Like he has to go through his past to see his future. Um, and that's the way I read it. And what I really like about it is they've kept Judgment Day with the theme song um, yeah. that he used. So that means he can come back to um, Metalingus. And, I mean, the first time that thing plays, um, that fucking crowd's going to go apeshit for that. And then they're going to forget that he shit on everybody's life for the last six months. So and it's, I not think, it's not random with the vignettes. It, there's a reintroduction. Yeah. So it's all going to fit. Um, and then like, you know, if that leads to him being more like brood like, or if he just keeps doing callbacks to his prior career, I'm all for that because that's the type of shit with edge that gets more over than anything, you know? Yep. And so, uh, rock, what do you think of the a kid stuff? Is it a kid? I didn't know he was going to wear a mask. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, seems like it, right? And uh, it's a cool new character to have. They don't have a mask dude down in uh, NXT. They could use one. That guy can fly around. And uh, I'm a, I'm 100% behind all these vignettes, man. Give me, give me all this stuff. It's been lacking for so many years. It's such a great shorthand to bring up dudes yes. and to reestablish them. So give it to me. Give it, give me all this stuff. The QR code thing, like that's I don't fucking know. That's for people who really want to dig deep into uh, crypto shit. Um, but uh, yeah, give me these vignettes, please, because uh, they're always cool. Yeah, and they're just such a cool one. I'll take the bait on the QR code. Um, again, something me and Ryan talked about last night. I mean, he sent me, he sent the world to me and I was like immediately like, all right, I'm going to figure this fucking thing out. So when you go through the wordle, it was easy to figure out that C is the last letter and O is the, either the second to last letter or the first letter. Um, so now from there, um, I literally found a word finder and I went through all the letters like a real sicko. And I was able to figure out that the only possible word was the word Havoc, H-A-V-O-C. Now, obviously, do I expect this to be the NXT debut of Jimmy Havoc or Jessica Havoc? No. Um, But what I do think that this could be um, is, you know, I was kind of messing around on Twitter last night. I searched like WWE Havoc to see if anybody else figured it out. Um, And this one guy, um, I think, might have hit it right on right nail in the head. So I'm going to kind of buzz through this real quick. So the first one was 81011. Um, it was eight months and 10 days ago last week um, when Halloween Havoc happened where Zoe Stark got injured. All right. And she got injured at Halloween Havoc. So the only word available to make is Havoc. And the green C is at the end of the word of and notice the last letter was toxic, who is who um, Zoe Stark got hurt wrestling at that Halloween Havoc show. So um, now fast forward next week. There is a 20 person or 20 women battle royal to crown the no, new number one contender for Mandy Rose. That might be a good spot to reintroduce Zoe Stark and you could do something with these stupid QR codes. And, you know, maybe that like reveals her face and that's like how she debuts again. Uh, who knows? I mean, they seem to really like Zoe Stark, so I could see them going through these bells and whistles for that. Um, and it all just makes sense once you kind of comb through Twitter and let people that are, uh, Way more invested in this shit than even I am. Figure that stuff out. I'm just proud. I'm sitting here with the Robert De Niro face, like Jesus. That's a <laughs> all right. That's good work, man. Yeah, that was amazing. Good work. <laughs> all right, Shiffley, you got a few call ups for us, and what do you who do you, you think there's going to be two call ups? Yes, two call ups. Uh, Eero Shirai. I I think she's done everything she can with with the NXT. She seems like you know a person without a country. Pretty much because like she was part of the old NXT. We had like the new faces of NXT. I think she'd be a perfect call up for maybe SmackDown. So it seems like they're slacking on on uh, women. And the other one's a personal favorite of mine, uh, Grayson Waller. I want him called up so bad. And you could fit him in with the Miz because uh, Grayson Waller was a reality star in Australia. And he's actually had uh, Mark Long from the challenge at NXT. And like they shout each other out in the front row. And that's the same person the Miz shouted out in the front row at Mania. So you can make the connection like that. So maybe you can slide in Grayson Waller to have a little trio with uh, Ciampa, Miz, and himself. Which, you know, so I, th- I, w- I would love that. I I, I just, I, I don't know. Grayson Waller did a, it added nothing to the match, but he did an elbow off the top rope. But when he was flying through the air, he went between his legs. And I thought that, that was the coolest shit ever. And it made me a fan since then. Oh, he's got some swag for days, man. But 
Miz, Chiampa, and Waller. One's not like the other. <laughs> Poor mm. Chiampa. But it fits. I like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rocco, what, what do you think with uh, Waller possibly coming up? I mean, I don't know if you heard, but I have a recent convert convert to the He's Waller. He's on the stops now. He's on the Waller team. Congratulations, yeah. Rocco. Finally. I'm a wall boy. Um, <laughs> put me on the list. Put me, give me in his hands. Put me between his legs like a basketball, and I'm uh, I'm all for it. I think he's great. I yeah, I bring him up. I said before, you know, he should be there instead of our uh, our other guy, our Austin Theory guy. Um, a Yoshirai fucking rules. Her stardom shit was insane. She was like the John Cena of stardom for years. Um, I have zero faith in them doing anything positive with her except for putting her as. Yo, uh, Kari Sane version two and making a Kabuki Warriors tag team with Asuka. They're going to do a tag team, but she is awesome. She's incredible. And uh, I have no faith that they're going to do anything good with her. There you go. <laughs> and Rossi, give us a wild card call up. Toxic attraction. Uh, Mandy left, in my opinion, to become, you know, find another character, find something that will work on the main roster. Because, I mean, look at her. I mean, she's not going to stay in NXT forever. You know what I mean? Um, and then the other two have continues to grow. They've, they've kind of put themselves in a spot where they're ready to be called up. Um, they've kind of all accomplished everything they can accomplish at NXT. And if you're ever going to get more NXT women, which they, they have like an endless stream of them down there, um, you're going to have to call these three up at some point. And I mean, think of what those three can add to any show, whether it's raw or it's SmackDown, whether it's both, um, they don't need to have titles for them to have an impact on a show. And, there really isn't like a woman's group that's running around rampant on, on the main roster. Now they can come in and be pretty dominant early. And, you know, is Mandy ever going to be great in the ring? No. Has she improved a little bit since she's been in NXT? Of course, but there's some people on the main roster that aren't that great either. Um, but they don't have personalities. They don't have the charisma. They don't have the presence that Mandy Rose has. So fuck it. Bring these three up, strap the rocket to them, see what happens. Doesn't have to be for titles, but, I mean, tell me that these three don't fit on the main roster whenever you decide to pull that trigger. Three-way, uh, to right, throw them right in the tournament, even as a trio. Bang, they're, you know, instant credibility to that new tag tournament fucking you, thing we're going to do. You know, they never did it with Undisputed Era, so do it with these three. Make them come in and just fucking NWO style take over the whole fucking women's division in some way. Maybe not take over, but you know what I mean? Like, they never did it. They So they have a chance to make this NXT thing like this would be the first big call up since 2.0, right? Like maybe I don't know if actually, but right, but just do it. Like and these three coming in and just tearing the fucking place apart would be fucking awesome. And it'd be something new and it would be a really cool shakeup. And uh, once again, I don't have as much faith that they would do know what to do with the Gigi Dolan, but they should because she's fucking rolls. You know, unfortunately, these girls are bigger than Undisputed Era and that's why they didn't do it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right, so the, so Ryan's bullshit of the week, Ryan's thing of the week. We're halfway to, through the uh, year, guys, and uh, give me your halfway awards on your male wrestler of the year, your female wrestler of the year, your tag team of the year, and your match of the year. I don't want to hear why. I don't want to hear. I thought of this. I thought of that. Rocco, give me your male wrestler of the year. Owens. All right, boom. Scott. Lashley. Rossi. 
Riddle. Ryan Rollins. He has the best resume. Female, Rocco. Bianca. Scott. Bianca. Rossi. Rebecca. Ooh, now I'm torn. I want to make it half and half. I just think there's a little more substance behind Becky Lynch. It's a 2-2 tie. But Bianca is close. I just think there's a more there's more depth within Becky. All right, tag team of the year. Rocco. Usos. Scott. Day one. Rossi. Yeah, I mean, how do you not say the Usos? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easily the Usos. If this was not WWE only, we could talk FDR. But it's it's the Usos. That's a clean sweep. All right, so match of the year, Rocco. Austin Owens. Ooh, fun. Scott? I'm looking off of Rocco's uh, cheat sheet right now. Austin <laughs> Owens. <laughs> Rossi? Um, so I'm going with the three-way tag on Raw. Alpha Academy, um, Owens and Rollins, and was it the Usos or the Street Profits? No, RK Bro. RK Bro, that's right. I'm an idiot. I just went brain dead. So, yeah, that one was, was killer. That was like 35 minutes of madness. Yes. that w- See, that when I, earlier when I said, like, star ratings versus enjoyment, that's the, the match I enjoyed the most through the year. Now, the, I personally think, like, the best wrestled match is, is, is not my match of the year, but, like, it's, like, the best wrestled match. My match of the year is the Hell in a Cell, but... I think the best wrestle match, like actual wrestled like work rate, is the Backlash WrestleMania match, and the best moment is the WrestleMania match. But the best, you know, quote unquote starting match for me is the Hell in the Cell. But my favorite funnest match is that Raw three way. So that's definitely interesting there. But I'll go Raw three way. Just eh, it's Hell in the Cell. I'll go Hell in the Cell. So Austin's Owens wins that one. All right, cool. My bullshit of the week is over. So that that will be fun to look back at at the end of the year and see if any of these hold up. All right, Rossi. Excuse me, Rossi. Clean us up with the indie stuff. What do we got? You got it. So basically, I did this a little bit differently today. I'm going to run through what's going on in the indies first, and then I'm going to kind of give you guys the top five wrestlers in the indies from the first half of the year, and then the, the five that I would say let's look forward to in the second half of the year. Um, and they'll be completely different people. So GCW, we talked about how they did a ton of Fourth of July weekend shows. It was all fairly uneventful. Um, Alice Cologne retained his ultra-violent title twice, once against Dale Patrick's and another against Cole Radrick. Post-match, Radrick had to be rushed to the hospital, but mostly just out of a scare because of how much blood he lost. Um, he was fine the next day. Um, Slade also had a pretty controversial short match with Hoodfoot on one of those shows. Um, when Slade just uh, about a minute into the match just kind of lost his mind and kept stabbing Hoodfoot with a light tube. Um, so at that point, they had to end the match, send Hoodfoot to the hospital. He got like 60 stitches and... Um, Staples, and he hasn't wrestled since. Yeah, I mean, his literally, like, his arm looked like it was about to fall out of itself. It was I disgusting. Saw it, but yeah, six, yeah, holy fuck. Yeah, it was a shitload. Um, and I mean, he probably had lacerations that were untreated going into that, knowing these deathmatch wackos. Um, now, yeah, that's that's more that's more staples than you get at a Chain of the Dead concert. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, <laughs> right? You know, you, you yeah. stage dive at one of those. Who knows what you're landed on? But it's probably not as many as sixty. Um, but anyways. 
So GCW ran their first this past Sunday. They ran their first of eight IWTV settlement series shows. Now, if you're not familiar, GCW was sued by IWTV after they did not follow up the promises of their contract um, last year. Um, they finally settled and they decided, hey, we owe you eight shows. We're going to do it. Completely made a mockery of the entire thing. The way they advertised all the shows was just like loose leaf paper with like names written and spelt wrong. It was a complete fucking joke, um, but pretty goofy show, low tier names. It felt like you were watching a GCW developmental show. Um, now halfway through the show, Effie and Alley catch came out as judges and they were like, they put wrestlers on trial. Um, I didn't watch it with audio on. I was working. It was just kind of playing in the background, but super weird show um, had some entertaining parts with, but if they keep this up for all eight shows, it's going to be unwatchable by the end of the second kind of became unwatchable by the end of this one. Um, and then what was really interesting about it is after that show in the same building, they ran a Jersey championship wrestling show, um, which is supposed to be their quasi developmental. Um, and that show was stacked with guys like Takeshita, um, who just wrestled John Moxley on dynamite this week. Um, defeating Cole Radrick. Yoya won a 18-person Bunko Stampede match, last eliminating Charles Mason. Homicide defeated Alec Price, and Billy Starks defeated Nick Wayne in the Battle of 17-Year-Olds. Um, and then finally, Bussy retained their GCW tag titles over Ian Surreal and Delirious. Uh, this weekend, GCW is in LA on Friday for No Signal in the Hills, which was Johnny Game Changer against Gringo Loco. Alex Zane against Starboy Charlie and Tony Deppen versus the Mexican standout commander. Um, and there is no sign of early morning guy steal on this show, even though God, Johnny game changer is um, then Sunday. They are back in San Francisco for back to the Bay, which is going to have Kevin Blackwood against Nick Wayne uh, speedball, Mike Bailey against Jack Cartwheel and a match. I'm really excited about because I love both these guys, Blake Christian against Titus Alexander. Um, DCW also announced that they're going to return to Japan at the end of September into October um, for four shows. Um, they should see talent announcements coming out for that, but I would expect that to have a heavy death match feel. Uh, PWG was back July 4th weekend. First time I've mentioned them in this, in this uh, podcast. Um, that basically was an impact AEW super show these days. Um, some results there. Daniel Garcia retained his PWG title, defeating Takeshita. Um, the Kings of the Black Throne of Malachi Black and Brody King retained their tag titles over Aussie Open. And Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Buddy Matthews. Um, and on the Worcester Beyond front, Wrestling Open um, had to move out of the White Eagle for this week um, due to some building issues. Um, apparently they had issues with their sprinkler system or something. Um, and they were able to get the historic Worcester Palladium for Thursday's show, which when you guys listen to this would have been last night or you know, this past Thursday. Um, maybe more than a one week deal, but we'll see how it goes. There's talk that if they do really well upstairs at the Palladium this week, um, that they end up downstairs at the Palladium for future weeks. They just couldn't do it this week because there is boxing at the Palladium on Friday night in the big room. And this brings me back to uncharted territory season two, when electric haze had to be shut down for a week for some construction and they moved to the white Eagle and they never really went back. So We'll see. I mean, it's going to be tough to turn away the Palladium if this thing looks killer on TV. It won't be live on IWTV, though. That's the one issue that they do have, which may keep them from being there permanently. Um, it's just some issues with their Wi-Fi there or some some weird shit. Um, and then tickets are now on sale for American Rana, which is August 22nd. It's supposed to be at the White Eagle, um, which now has announced Ortiz from Proud and Powerful making his return to Worcester. 
Tickets are 40 bucks for ringside standing room. Um, and the reserve stage seating is already sold out. So you can't pay 60 bucks for those anymore. Now, um, let's run through this. I'm going to go kind of quick with this. But first half, my, my five indie MVPs kind of play off the WWE talk we just had. I mean, Mike, Mike Bailey, Speedball's got to be number one. Who hasn't he wrestled this year? Can make any make an argument. He's the best overall in-ring performer of the year, indie or mainstream. Two, Alec Price um, exploded on as the face of wrestling open, became a GCW regular now. Bonafide name in the scene now. I mean, it's tough to envision a big indie show without him on it. Blake Christian, three. Returned to the indies late 2021. In 2022, he's had matches with Bandito, Will Ospreay, Leo Rush, Cardona, A.R. Fox, Biff Busick, and he has a title match with Moxley scheduled for SummerSlam weekend in Nashville. So, um, Blake Christian, you guys know my love for him. Um, you know, NXT really dropped the ball and let him go. Um, Nick Wayne, uh, the now 17-year-old stud, really took his game to the next level against Will Ospreay for GCW in Providence. Keeps improving, keeps showing out. Kid can earn whatever he wants to in wrestling. I expect the Indies won't have him much longer, though. He's 17 now, just turned 17, and I would expect him to start doing more work with that AEW contract pretty quick. Um, and five will be a shout to the Deathmatch peeps with uh, Casey Kirk. Uh, she's kind of become the top star for ICW No Holds Bar in the last six months. Um, super attractive girl who will beat the shit out of you and isn't afraid to carve you up to do so. Um, Deathmatch wins over John Wayne Murdoch, Danny DeManto, her husband itself, Brandon Kirk, uh, Joel Bateman, and Dale Patricks, which is like a veritable who's who in, in uh, Deathmatch wrestling. She's a true Deathmatch star now, and in reality, you can't really want a Deathmatch tournament moving forward without her in it. Um, now, names to look forward to in the second half of this year. Um, Titus Alexander recently had his PWG debut. Um, getting a lot more GCW bookings, big West Coast kid. Um, the explosion's pretty much happening as we speak. I think this kid should be signed, and I expect him to be pretty soon. I kind of hope this is a name that WWE sniffs around because he's got a little bit of size, um, and I think he'd fit into that NXT roster pretty seamlessly. Two, Alan Angel's recent AEW departure. Saw one match so far, and he was impressive. Um, he worked a match uh, against Vinny Massaro in, on the West Coast, um, and I'm not a big Massaro fan, and Angels look good. So um, he's improved a lot since he left the Indies to go to AEW, and he should have some great matches down the road. Number three is another new new to the Indies name, and Zachary Wentz. Um, controversy aside, the guy can go with the best of them. Um, getting more bookings now, it's only a matter of time before PWG and GCW returns. will blow that name back up for him, and and who knows, if things really go one way, he might even end up back in WWE with his boy Wes. Um, four, Billy Starks. Uh, I put this name out there because she turns 18 this winter, and I'd really expect the contract offers to start coming at her pretty quick once she does. Um, she's really starting to get some higher profile matches now. Just worked a, a match with Ruby Riot this past weekend for Revolver. Um, I mean, she beat Nick Wayne this weekend as well, so that in itself was a big weekend for the girl. Um, she's really good. I think that she um, can really end up with either major brand now, AEW, WWE, and I think she'd fit in pretty good with both. Um, and then lastly is actually Billy Stark's boyfriend, Marcus Mathers, um, 19 and similar to Starks in that I see him really moving up the card of many of these indies in the second half of the year. And, you know, every time I see him, I'm a little bit more impressed with him. He really has good charisma. He shows good facial expressions with everything. And I always thought he was older than 19. I just learned that this week. Um, so that's really all I got for the tour of the Indies, my friends. Awesome. Scott, you going to the GCW show at SummerSlam weekend? Yes, I will be there. Can't wait. I love the one in Dallas. 
Yeah, it was highly recommended by someone, and I'm glad everyone enjoyed that. But all right, guys, that's it for us this week. Rocco, you got anything before we get out of here? Nothing. If you like me, check out me on uh, Facebook or uh, my band, Chained to the Dead, on anything you want to look it up on. Cool. So real quick, did you enjoy the tour? Did everything go well? And we should check out once if it comes to the town near us. If you want some mayhem and madness brought to your town and a lot of uh, insane, inane banter between songs like I like to do, and a bunch of guys behind me who play really well, really fast, and really fucking brutal, then yes, uh, uh, we'll be coming to a town near you soon. And uh, I, did, I was bought multiple drinks, but not offered many drugs. I didn't say none, but not many. Well, Rocco, I'm growing my hair out for when you come to Worcester so I can start headbanging. All right, Rocco. <laughs> you can be bald and headbang, brother. That's fine. Uh, all right. Well, it's not as cool looking, you know? Come on. You are correct. Rocco, excuse me. Rossi, you got anything before we get out of here? Well, Rocco, we got to get you at Ralph's in Worcester. Got to know some yeah. people down there. That, that's <laughs> a like perfect perfect fit for you guys. Um, maybe we can get some wrestling involved with it, too. Um, anyways, um, no, I mean, I got nothing else. Um, if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter and, and talk to me about other indies, I'm cool with it. I feel like I'm getting quasi-repetitive in this segment every week with GCW and beyond. Uh, that's kind of where my uh, passion and allegiance is. Um, but I do watch a lot of shit on IWTV and, you know, other people, you know, you hit me up, you want me to talk about your shit, let me know. Uh, 13, Rossi13 um, on Twitter. Just, you know, DM me or whatever. We'll talk. For suggestions for our Indie Corner. And uh, Scott, before we get out of here, what do you got for us, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm on... Um... YouTube Roulette on uh, the P2P and Wrestling feed. Uh, you can check me out on Pop Goes to the Couch as well on the Pop feed. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Shiplet. Also, Crock and Roll on the feed. We're in May of 86. Having a great time. I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, you killed it, dude. Thanks for having me, too. And yeah, I'm Ryan. You can find me anywhere. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> what about outro? All right, guys. Thank you. We'll see you at episode What my heart can't conceal Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender Just laughing and gay like a clown I seem to be what I'm not You see, I'm wearing my heart like a crown